Welcome to WeedKit Video. I'm Cameron Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-host Kira Jade Opitz and Brandon McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is WeedKit Video. Old business? Old business. I have some old business. Ooh. Guess what? What? Got another review. Shit. Also, first, thank you to Marius for transferring his review from Twitter to our Apple. What a fucking what man. A, what a guy. Good move. I want to take him out for a beer. Uh, you do that. I don't want to meet people. I don't care. He doesn't find me wholly uninteresting. He doesn't leave the pod cave. Like, what does he? <laughs> no, he's going to have to come here. I live here. He now. lives here. <laughs> so, uh, Brody, you need to come up with another story. Uh, what, now? Not right now. Like, yeah. Can I read the review first? No, no, no. I think I have one in the barrel, possibly. Let me think. Okay. <laughs> While the episodes are pretty long, mostly from long trailers, you can tell it comes with a lot of love of the craft and knowledge from the host, and the co-hosts and guests bring in plenty of fun and chaos to the pod. I particularly love the special guest of Evil Dead. What a babe. <laughs> the gang talk about their fears when they get reviews. I think I know who left this. <laughs> but I wanted to ask a question instead. We know a lot about your home video experiences, but what are your earliest slash fondest cinema experiences? And yes, Jody wrote in this interview. <laughs> Jody, who was on the Evil Dead episode. This Jody, wrote us a review. I, I have met you briefly, but I feel like I know you because of the pod. Well, apparently in her circle of friends, she is their Brody. Yeah, well, I felt that energy. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Jody. are you okay? <laughs> Do we need to call someone? So I'm going to, so you actually don't need to tell a story because she asked a question instead. Brilliant. Thank you for giving yes. me. Prompt, prompting him. The thing is, is it's hard it, to come up from, it's hard for me to come up with like secrets because I share everything, but like the deep dark stuff, you really have to get personal with it. Uh-huh. He even shares bodily fluids. So <laughs> fondest, earliest slash fondest cinema experience? I think I've spoken about both briefly here, but the two things that I feel are my favorite ones are Master and Commander with my dad. It's like one of the only movies I've gone and seen with my dad. And like, yeah, it's not the earliest that I can remember, but like I have a terrible memory. You guys know that. <laughs> um, and it was just fucking great. Peter Weir, Aussie, that movie rules. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I didn't go and see many movies with my dad, like as a like older kid or I'd be dropped off because like I would go with my friends and like the little girl group that we hung out with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that leads into the other experience where my brother fucking worked at the cinemas, so I didn't pay for a movie ticket for like, I don't know, five years of my life. It was you the bastard. best. And I got all my mates in for free as well. Yeah, when I was a teenager. That's cheeky. Yeah. When I was a teenager, there was a girl that lived down the road that was a couple of years older than me. Yeah. And she would, I would go and go, one for blah, 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 please. And she would just print me a comp ticket. And yeah. Go, and go, yeah, I'm going to go. That's mad. Which was, which was <laughs> awesome. Oh, me? And everyone's looking at Yeah, we're at doing me. it at Roundtable. Ah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I did not really go to the movies that much with my family, which is which is sad. I wish I, I kind of wish I did, but I am really glad I went to see Shrek at uh, that would have been good fun at the oh god the Regent Theater. The Regent. Oh yeah. my god! Before, I forgot the Regent was. A I also thing saw Shrek before it shut down. I also yeah. saw Shrek at the Regent. It was one of the on last movies played there, actually. I think. Yeah, I saw it on a date. <laughs> Shrek was a date. That's a, good oh, that's, day a, movie. that's a great that's a date good movie. Day movie. Yeah. You just have that Duloc song in your head the whole time, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. My, the, I think maybe Ellie the, still has that song stuck in her head. She <laughs> just comes out randomly. I think maybe one of the reasons that 
I don't talk as much about my cinema experience as I do my VHS stuff on this podcast is because I think that the, 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 my earliest and fondest are the more obvious movies. Like the, mm. And we tend to talk about movies that are a little bit more kind of out there and obscure. Because yeah, it's really, I like telling people about movies they've never, never heard of, right? Yeah. But Last Crusade, mm. Indiana Ooh. Jones and Last Crusade yep. with my gramps. Which is Dope. really like really fond memory. He's been he's been going for a long time now, so that memory is like really strong for me. Yeah, Ghostbusters two. Yeah, that would have been mad. Yep. Mm. Statue of Liberty coming alive like blew my tiny mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terminator two, Judgment Day. Oh shit. Yeah, That's I saw that in the cinema with my stepdad Dave when oh, I was way too young to have seen that, seen that movie. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, that's an awesome movie to see at the theater. Yeah, yeah. Hocus Pocus with my mum. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's mad. Me and my mum love that too. Yeah, and, and my sister as well. Jurassic Park. I went yeah. with I went with some neighbors. There were some kids down the road. They called the house at like six o'clock and said, "Hey, do you want to come to the, see this movie at six at six thirty, seven o'clock?" Jurassic Park's nineties, right? Yeah, I feel yeah. like no, I couldn't have been old enough to see that. In the and I didn't see it in the movie. I left that cinema shaking because really? I saw a real dinosaur for the first time. That's yeah. mad. Like literally I shaking from that. adrenaline. Like I remember standing in the foyer of the theater afterwards and I had the shake. I had the shakes. Like I actually That's had so adrenaline, adrenaline shakes. Romeo plus Juliet with my mum as well. Go. Mm-hmm. Braveheart also with my mum. I guess I went to the movies more with my mum than, than mm. my dad. Yeah, but okay. my earliest memory I've been trying to fucking figure out. I can't, you know what, how my brain is. I'm trying to go, like, go back as far as yeah, I can yeah, to, try yeah. figure, to try to figure it out. The, <laughs> earliest, the earliest I've been able to get is Masters of the Universe, which we have covered on the podcast. Yeah, nice. okay. So yeah. I think that that's my, the earliest cinema memory. Because I remember after, and I've talked about this on the Masters of the Universe episode, yeah. I remember coming home from the cinema and then just wanting to run around with a fake sword and yeah. be cool man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Actually, I do have one. Yeah. I went to see every one of the Lord of the Rings with my uncle, uh, Dave. That's the mad. day they came out. Yep. Like first showing yeah. in Wollongong. They bought, yeah. they, they bought the tickets six months beforehand. So that was, really? that was Boxing Day? Yeah. Boxing Fuck day. yeah. Every, every, every year that they came out, that yeah. came out, we'd do that. And it was, you'd wait in line. We'd get there like three hours beforehand to be like the first two at the door, first couple at the door. That. And yeah, as a kid, that was fantastic. You know what I also remember? Did you guys ever go to like Sydney and watch the IMAX? Yeah, it I, hasn't been around for a for, long time. We did that for school. Yeah. We never saw movie, movies, movies. Back then, IMAX was, yeah. like, well, it was like, you know, fucking polar bears and penguins and yeah, shit. Yeah, and like space <laughs> yeah. shit. But and I remember going to that and like my dad would have to go to Sydney for work a couple of times. So he'd be like, oh, chuck one of your mates in the car and like we'd drive up and he'd just leave us at IMAX. <laughs> you can watch this the whole day and your eyes are just like, you yeah. walk out and you, you're just a computer in your brain. But or like something. that kind of broke my brain with the assault in the sense like, it's so big and loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I have some small. Like I could do, I yeah. could talk about that for like hours. Yeah, but, cinema, but cinema cast. Mm. This is a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> weird kid cinema. Yeah, yeah, weird kid cinema. Yeah, new business, new business. Mm. What is there to talk about this episode? We're figuring out the flesh, turning things inside out, and having a look. We're talking about the fly from 1986. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go 
beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I, I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. It could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Help me. Please help me. Poetry of the flesh, the poetry of this movie. <laughs> the poetry of the flesh. Mm. The poetry of the flesh is yeah. probably the way to go. So yeah. co-written and directed by David Cronenberg. This is my first. Yeah. Your first as well, Adam? I oh, I'm you don't to, know. I'm, I'm going to have to look at his uh, at his uh, resume. I had heard the name, but I didn't know what kind of style of cinema it was until I, I, Rick I, and Morty. So, yeah. Ah. So that was, I was actually one of my concerns coming into this podcast <laughs> is that both of your frames of reference would only be from the memification of Cronenberg. Yeah. No, no, no. Right. Not for me. That Not was for me. you, yeah. That was because there's the me. Simpsons episode that is a knockoff mm. of The Fly. Yeah. Where yeah, Bart gets and, that, fly. and that. I will talk about a little bit later. And then yeah, Cronenberg's in Rick and Morty is a whole is a whole thing. Yeah. There's a planet of Cronenberg's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cronenberg is fucking singular. Nobody makes movies like him. There, mm. He is one of one. It's body horror, but it's not body horror. It's, it's body horror, horror, almost comedy, but but like there's a there's a yeah. love for it almost. It's it's like it's not just horror to scare you. Yes. No, he's he's, yeah. he's 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 enjoying himself. Yeah, it's an investigation, yeah. uh, 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 an exploration of it, and mm. it's highly intellectual. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm gonna save how I feel about Cronenberg more towards the back of the towards the back of the pod, and when I mm. do when I do my rating, but I adore him. Mm. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. He's one of my guys. I would watch him direct an instruction manual, a kinky flesh grown instruction manual <laughs> with many useful holes. Mm-hmm. 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 Kira just turned off the pod. Yeah. Uh, so he's Cana- that was like a birdie line. Yeah, he's Canadian. He got his start in the 1970s. He'd made some shorts and a low-budget student feature called Crimes of the Future. That title will come back in his career later. Not in his traditional style? No, similar. He got his first two proper feature films funded by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Mm. So he's government funded, Uh, which is amazing. To be honest, I do love the Canadian Film Development Corporation. They do Um, fund good shit. yeah. Yeah. So those films were Rabbit and Shivers, which both got him international attention at Cannes. And then he was kind of on, kind of on his way, right? So he performed well with his with his body low, horror with style. his low budget really? body horror stuff, creepy stuff. Khan is more uh, like open the French, than I thought it was. If we have t- as we have no, talked about, Evil Dead went at Khan. True, yeah. true, true. As true, we true. have talked about, the French love high and low art, mm. right? And Cronenberg um. is both at the same at the same time. Mm. When when was this? 
When was this? This is the 70s. 70s. This is the 70s, yeah. He made a drag racing movie called Fast Company. That's the other thing about Cronenberg. He's not a one-trick pony. He does a lot of body horror movies, but he also makes fucking gangster pictures. Oh, man. Like, he makes all kinds of all kinds of movies. We're not going to get into that today because we're only going to go, we're going to talk about Cronenberg more than once on this podcast. Yeah, so, I'm as only always, interested in how he uses this genre in different ways. Yeah, you know so... I mean? So I'm not going to go through his entire filmography. What I'm going to mm. do is lead us up to the making of this movie, and then we'll talk more about him as we as we and that whatever period of work he's in as we get to his other movies because we're definitely going to do his other movies. The Brood, Scanners, Videodrome, mm. Videodrome. I've heard of all of these. Is mm. one of my favorite movies of all time. It is so fucked up. It is wonderful. <laughs> and the then Brood sounds fucked up. The also, Brood Scanners also, sounds like isn't that a famous one? Is that a yeah. more famous the, one? Scanners also has a bunch of sequels. Mm, um, Scanner yeah. Cop, right? Yeah, and Scanners is very very famous for the exploding head gif that you see everywhere. Ah, uh, mad. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to talk a lot about the memification of Cronenberg because I'm not yeah. really interested sure, in sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. I want to approach him as the artist he is. Then his only two studio movies because he is an independent filmmaker. Ah. He is not a studio filmmaker. Which you can tell. The Dead Zone? The Dead Zone. Stephen King adaptation with with Martin Sheen and yeah. Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. The ice is going to break. <laughs> no. It's a terrible Walken. It's a terrible Walken. It's a great movie. Mm. Really, really good. Okay. I'd actually not seen that movie until, quite, until th- within the past couple, couple of years. I think I've seen it, but it could be just the internet in my brain. Yeah. And then The Fly. Oh, really? Yeah. After this it's movie. I'd love to see another big budget, more modern one. A Cronin budget. Yeah. And then a bunch of other movies. Highlights for me, Exorcens, we're totally going to do Exorcens. History of Violence. Which oh, yeah. Has the, right. Which has the distinction of being one of the very last movies ever released on VHS. A History of Violence. I know I've seen Vigo. that. Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, uh, uh, actually, very kind of undersung film, I think. Oh, yeah, it's great. I, agree. I watched it a few weeks ago, not even knowing that we were going to do The Fly on the podcast. I just like Cronenberg movies, so I just put them on. And I watched it again. I hadn't seen it in about 10 years, and it, it mm. was incredible. It's yeah. Great. Dead Ringers. Crash, not the one oh, that won, not the right. one that won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, cut you off there. Yeah. Very different movies. <laughs> Very different movies. Do not ever, do not look up Crash. Crash is on the list. Crash will blow your right, fucking okay. mind. More recently, Dangerous Method, Cosmopolis, Map to the Stars, and Crimes of the Future. Oh, same that title. sounds like one of ones we should watch. Same Crimes title, different movie. Okay. Oh. I watched it last week. So his first student feature film was called Crimes of the Future. Oh. I talked about that. I mentioned it a couple of minutes ago. So yeah, and um, I watched that like last week and it was pretty Anything good. Anything like Future Cop? No. Damn. <laughs> and the upcoming The Shrouds at right. age 80. Is he 80 now? He's 80 years old. Yeah. And he's still pumping weapon. out indie features. He also does acting. He also yeah. shows up in movies. One yeah. of my favorite His things. Own? Other people's. Okay. So one of my favorite things was I would go to the video store rent a movie, rent some random fucking horror movie that was obviously shot in Canada, put the tape on, and then they go, oh, fuck, there's Cronenberg. <laughs> fuck. What if we're playing, a, playing a psychologist. No, we have not seen him on the on the, on the podcast. But what like a, in general watching, you reckon we've probably come across him? Maybe. What are some of the movies he's been in? I'm not going to talk about them oh, because, uh, because guess what? We're going to play Spot Cronenberg when he appears in those movies. I love that. Yeah. So co-written by... <laughs> It's like Where's Waldo, but, you know, with more body horror. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that. <laughs> uh, co-written by Charles Edward Pogue, based on a short story by George Langlin. Short story was first published in the 50s in Playboy. I know okay. La- the Langlin name uh, could be someone else, but 
No, I don't. I don't know him from anything else. Okay. I didn't really look. I didn't really look mm. him up. It previously, as I mentioned, previously been made into a B movie in 1958 with, like Vince, with Vincent Price. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a fly. <laughs> it's a fly. It is the what the Simpsons episode is more like, mm. where he literally becomes a man with a fly head, and then the, the fly, fly takes over fl- his body. He is in no. Well, he yeah, and he is in the fly that is yeah, buzzing around. Right. So it's a different a different kind of story for the screenplay. Pogue went back to the short story fox owned the rights to the original movie so he wrote it for them but when he turned in the script they did not like it and so i wonder why well it was a different script as well very different script but he convinced fox if he could go off and find the money to finance it they would let him make it and they would distribute it what i find wild with a lot of the things we watch is like when a movie like this has studio funding because I can't imagine a studio exec seeing the value in these types of movies. The, that's the thing. That's why. That's why Cronenberg's an indie, indie feature movie. Ah, true. Yeah, it's it's kind of complex. It's also this is happening over the course of many years, and there mm. are many pe- different type people in charge. Like right, the different studio heads. There's like yeah. three different studio heads in the time. But the, the writers yeah, to the categorize them all as the same kind of taste. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah, like it's, right. some people are like for it, and then some people are against it, and then also like movies get made, and then and then it's like uh, yeah. Well, and I'll the, talk a, more about it later. The writers yeah. asked mom. Now he's asked dad. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Right? He goes and finds a producer that can help him find financing for the movie. Yeah. Mel Brooks. Oh, I can see him being behind this. Yeah, yeah. that Mel Brooks. Blazing yeah. Saddles, Spaceballs, the producers. He would have had a great time with it. He yeah. had already been a producer on David Lynch's The Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And not taking a credit because he didn't want audiences to be confused when they saw his name on screen. Right. Yeah. He... As well as being a comedic genius, yeah, Mel Brooks loves outsider art films. Really, he likes all kinds of shit. So I Brooks Films, that. his production Fuck. company, didn't just make comedies. He put David Lynch made a David Lynch movie. So what he made happens? A Cronenberg movie. What happens when you don't put credits on things? Is that like you for you, you just give up residuals? Or no, not at all. No, because his company made it. Right, right. Brooks Films produce the produce the movie. They just, just don't take any credit for like, it. Like, right. and, and that can sometimes hurt uh, press. Yeah, like, yeah. If, if you go, okay, okay. here's a Mel Brooks film. A lot of people will go, "I'm going to watch that. That's going to be fantastic." Yeah, but you don't want them to go in thinking it's Blazing Saddles. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, Pogue and Brooks started looking for a director, and Cronenberg is their first choice. They yeah. go to Cronenberg, but he's tied up developing Total Recall. Shut the fuck up. Because he loves Philip K. Dick stories. Yeah. For Dino De Laurentiis. I could see that being more like a little Total bit more Total Recall for Dino De Laurentiis? Yes. Ugh. So. Remind me who's that again? Well, he's an Italian, Italian filmmaker. I know the name. He was one of the producers on on Bill and Ted. He's the guy that didn't uh, understand yep. why yep, they yep, keep calling yep, each yep. other dude. <laughs> That's right. Now, I love Dino. Dino's an incredible producer, yeah. but Dino is of a, he's an Italian guy that doesn't speak English. Sure. And he has a very particular way of doing things and style of things that he likes. Sure. He's a very old school dude. So him and Cronenberg would not have right. Gone. Didn't work out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. And therefore, we got the Schwarzenegger Ver- Verhoeven movie, which I also adore. Love. I fucking, I fucking love. love that movie. Like the the remake, man, it's pretty good. No, but the get original, out. get out. Nah, get out. I love. Hey, Colin Farrell, 
I will. I love Colin Anything Farrell. Anything he does, it I love. It doesn't mean that the movie is any good. Yeah, just because uh, he's in it. And I just like watching Let's not get sidetracked Sorry. talking about fucking Total Sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> Quick Jesus call out to Paul Van Hoven. Podcast audience, just a second. This is what a conversation with the three of us is like. It's like it's <laughs> a little different. thing gets dropped and it just like derails for half an hour and then it's like back on the topic. 45 minutes and then we come back. Yeah. This is why we don't get together that often. it's so Because it's a week-long affair. You have to have ADHD just to keep up with the conversation. <laughs> As I had previously said, yeah. I love the version of the movie that exists, but I would love to send, spend an afternoon in an alternate universe where I got to watch David Cronenberg's Total Recall. Yeah, be very different. If Brooks and Poke had gone down the road with another director pretty far that had to leave the production because of a family accident. His daughter actually died and it died. They gave him, they even gave him like time to go away and then come back to it. And when he came back to it, his heart just wasn't in it anymore. And by that time, Cronenberg was available because Total Recall had fallen apart. Yeah. That gave me shivers. Yeah. Yeah. Cronenberg was not a fan of the script at all. Really? But he loved the concept. So his deal was to direct it, and rewrite it. He asked for $750,000, which was a pretty decent sum for a Canadian director that's only made right, a few. Right, okay. I was going to say, that's make a cheap film. Or is film. His fee. That's his fee. Jesus. Well, yeah. is, that, is that a good amount of money in that age? Yeah. In 1986? That's, that's, like, that's like two mil. Right, In 1986, okay. it's, it's, it's a decent chunk of money. Okay. Because you couldn't make Mel a Brooks, around a mil these days. Mel Brooks went to Fox to ask for the money, and they said- Cronenberg will do it for a million dollars. Really? Really? And then the studio said, yeah, That's okay, fine. boss. They went back to Cronenberg and said, we'll do the deal with you, but we want to pay you a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh? It was how they ensured that he would do it. So oh. Mel Brooks basically... Like they really him. wanted Cronenberg. Yeah. What a they wanted Cronenberg so bad that when Cronenberg asked for seven fifty, Mel Brooks went out of his way to go ask the studio for more than that to ensure that he signed. As, they said uh, Mel Brooks, the producer Stuart Cornfield, who is the other producer that um, is the producer of this, the actual producer of this movie. Yeah, he uh, said that it's the, one of the fastest deals he's ever made with a with a director Whoa. because they gave him a, you know another quarter more than he yeah, wanted than he than he wanted. Yeah. So Cronenberg completely rewrote the screenplay. When it went to arbitration with the WGA. Yeah. Stay strong, WGA. Yeah. Cronenberg insisted that Pogue also get credit because he felt like his screenplay was built on the back of Pogue's. Yeah, He had taken inspiration from it and, yeah, he rewrote it, but his film wouldn't have existed without having read that screenplay. Look at all these fucking people looking out for each other in the fucking industry. I know, right? It's It's fucking so unusual and so amazing and everyone got paid and it's a great fucking movie. It's like a community or something. Yeah. Yeah. Pogue's other credits include Psycho 3. Psycho 3. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a movie called DOA. Dragon. Oh, like Sorry. made after the fucking. No. Not the video game. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because there's a video game movie, right? Yes. Oh, that vi- yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, that's my frame of reference. <laughs> Do you think the guy that wrote The Fly I is interested know. in a Japanese video game that's primary enjoyment is the fact that the women's breasts jiggle when you fight with them. But it's also like, <laughs> isn't it also like Could a jiggle? zombie thing? No. I don't know DOA franchise to be no, honest. It's a fighting game. Right, okay. It's a fighting, it's I thought Japanese it was like a beautiful game. women fighting zombies thing. That's no, my a, understanding of it. No. Uh, that's a Dead or alive? I'd no? Wa- okay. I'd, I'd watch that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
What, what's his next movie after DOA? <laughs> Ian's energy just left. <laughs> just breathed out his soul right there. Dragon Hunt? Oh, oh that sounds familiar. Dennis Quaid with yeah. Sean Connery as a dragon. Oh, yeah. Great idea. Not a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Krull the Conqueror, which is, that is a cartoon? A, like a sequel to, to um, Conan. It's, well, it's written, by, it's written by the same guy that created Conan mm. the Barbarian. Right. And so it's a it's like a side call. Okay. Right. Side Can I just crawl? ask, this is a dumb question, but I never think of really There is dumb. no dumb questions. <laughs> There's all dumb questions with me. Um, thanks for stepping <laughs> on the gag. <laughs> um, so you know how like, oh, we're going to give this director like a million dollars to make a movie. Mm-hmm. So like where does the director's like pay come out of that? You know what I mean? What what mean? Pay? What's his pay? But isn't that like the budget for the movie? No, no, no. no. It's so part when of, you the say pay is part of the budget. That's his fee. That's his fee. Right, so it's like when you're saying Cronenberg's um, got a million to do this movie. He's paid a million dollars. Right, okay, sorry, sorry, but I misunderstood, and it was 750 for the... No, no, he wanted 750 and he got a million. Oh, so what's the budget for the film? More than that. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. But you think about it, a director he's not, is- he's not negotiating for the budget of the movie, he's negotiating for his pay. Yeah, okay, okay. And his, so pay, I- his pay is added onto the budget of the movie. You see how those dumb questions can? Yeah. <laughs> but it, Thanks it, for taking my pay off. <laughs> but for reference, like a, a director getting a million dollars for a movie, yeah, that's a lot of money, but, but you that's, might that's, work that's a, four or five years of and that's life. Work on it for as well, yeah. You might work on it for a long time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Starring Jeff Goldblum as Seth Brundle. Oh. oh, my God. This was early Bloom. Early Bloom. I didn't realise, like, I always knew Jeff Goldblum was a sexy man, but, like, I didn't realise he was, like, swole. We'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. <laughs> so his first movie is Death Wish with what? Charles Bronson. He plays one of the thugs that rapes and kills Bronson's wife at Jesus the beginning of Death Christ. Wish. I know I've seen that movie, and I... Don't yeah. think I've seen him. No, you wouldn't have. He's so young and skinny and, and, right. and yeah. By the time he makes this movie, he's actually fairly well established. You're like, oh, blah, blah. No, yeah. he's already like a working actor. He's already worked. He's already worked on Nashville. Mm-hmm. He's in the okay. he's in the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which we've mentioned a few oh, times. Oh, yeah. Time. I forgot he was in that movie. Everybody always I refuse to watch it again. I, I have nightmares of that I movie. honestly cannot remember a single thing from that movie. Don't worry about it. We're going to get yeah. to it. The Big Chill, oh, uh, yeah. which was, you know, it's a big boomer movie. Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> Okay. And Silverado, which is a fantastic no. Western. Fantastic no, 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 Western. No, no, no. It's a hangout I, Western. I, I can't see him in a Western. Western. He's really good in it. Yeah. He's okay. actually really great in it. Yeah. He did not become the meme that is Jeff Goldblum oh. until much later. He really became kind of like famous, famous with Jurassic Park. Yeah. What I didn't realize is him like with his shirt unbuttoned isn't the start of his sexiness. No, no. Well, he was no, sexy actually, before he does, that. He does that in a lot of yeah. movies. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy to me. And he'd been in other movies before Jurassic Park that were definitely on the list. Yeah. Vibes. Mm. Vibes rules. Good vibes, man. Yeah. Earth Girls are easy. No. Yeah. So and many of these I haven't heard of. No, you don't worry about it. We'll get there. Okay. And then de- and Deep Cover, which is a fantastic Yeah, I fantastic think I've heard movie. of that one. Gina Davis as Veronica oh, Ronnie. I she's love- gorgeous. She was great. She's really good. Yeah. Gina Davis, man. Gina Davis is fantastic. And I, I, I don't think she gets enough credit. No, not yeah. at all. So she was like just so much of my like movies growing up. I didn't mm-hmm. realize how important she was yeah. to the, a lot of yeah. the movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she had been a model. No surprise. Yeah. When she was cast by Sidney Pollock in Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman. That's yep. her first movie. She has a very small part in the first Fletch movie yeah. as Larry. She's yeah. like she's like the editor's assistant that, okay. that Chevy Chase uh, you know, flirts with. She's in 
Transylvania 65000, which we saw the trailer for, yeah. which also has Goldblum <laughs> in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the year after The Fly, she made Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah, hectic. Mm. She's also in Earth Girls are Easy. Oh, uh, man. It's their third movie together. Thelma and Louise, you, Ridley Scott movie. Yeah. You okay. can't not make good friends with your fucking other actors after making this movie, right? Well, it depends on the actor, but if it's Bloom, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be funny. Yeah. A League of Their Own. Oh, yeah, shit. There's no crying in baseball. I, I fucking watched love that, that movie. recently with Ellie, and she's like, what the fuck is this movie? And then by the end of it, she's like, thank you so much it's for giving so me right? this movie. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. In the later in the 90s, she married Rennie Harlan, who we talked about last episode. He directed Nightmare on Elm Street Part, part 4, which oh, we saw wow. the trailer for, yep. and then Die Hard and Cliffhanger. They would team up to bankrupt a studio together, nice. making Cutthroat Island. Yeah. A pirate movie that. that is insane <laughs> and so much fun. And people fucking slept on that movie when it came out. And Fuck it yeah. should have been what Pirates of the Caribbean became. Yeah. Because it's a better pirate movie than Pirates of the Caribbean. Fuck yeah. They also made The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that movie. That based, is the fucking best. Based yeah. on Shane Black screenplay. Oh my God. Um, and I then that was Gina Davis. And then on and on. We, the amount of know, times I've seen that movie. Holy shit. Sorry. How, yeah, how is Sam she not Jackson. such a big name? That's the thing. Because she kind of went dark for a while. She got older. Yeah. Oh, that's what happens with she's, female she's actors. She's not a leading lady. She's, she, turned, she turned 40 and her career has slowed down. So she's in, she, she, she still works. She was in the Stuart Little movies in the early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. three of those. And she still has, she still has credits. I'm not going to mention what they are because we tend to, yeah. this podcast goes to the year 1999. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, but Gina Davis rules. Like I, there's so many of her movies that, that I, that and, I love. Pretty oh, much every movie, so good. pretty much every movie that I, that I mentioned there, I would do on the pod. And I, I just love, love that love every movie that I've seen that you listed, she's like she's great. just this unflappable, fucking yeah. great, like strong character. Yeah, she's yeah. Great. And it's a shame she hasn't like Helen Mirren or Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. like but that's she's the thing. she's not the same age as them, is she? Pretty close. I think yeah. she's younger than Sigourney, but not oh, by, really? not by not by a no, ton. No. Yeah, like, but the fandom for like sci-fi stuff with Sigourney would but, be crazy. No, but yeah, yeah but you look at you look at her run. She's got. So many whole, good movies. So many good yeah. movies and a whole range of genres. Yeah. Sure. That's the thing. It's, so it's, you yeah. mentioned something interesting. Oh, making friends on movies and then making more mov- more movies with them. Yeah. Well, no, they were fucking dating during the making of this movie. Were they? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny because I didn't feel like there was much chemistry oh, there between is. them. What? Totally No, is. no, no. Sorry. Oh, at the, the beginning. Bit when they first started, I was like, there's not much. There's not but enough that's because, there to really But that's because of the, the, good, the script. Like, that's what the yeah, script yeah, is telling yeah, sure. Good directing. So not them, the, yeah, the characters. The so yeah. he was yeah. cast first. Yeah. And then he insisted that she be read for the part. Oh, yeah. Ah. Right? She was the first person they auditioned for that role. She walked out of the room. Cronenberg went, yeah, great. Let's sign her. Fuck. The producers were like, wait a second. She's the first person we've seen. We can't do that. So they auditioned like another hundred or 200 actresses. And he's not even looking and at them. And they never saw anybody. <laughs> no, they never saw anybody better. They never saw anybody yeah, that, mean, came, that came, that came yeah. close to her. So they, so they signed her. For, yeah. for me, she was equal in bloom in this movie. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's, a, co-lead, it's a co-lead role. Like she's, she's a co-lead. I mean, co-lead it's, with it's hard to beat the opportunities that bloom is given being like the fucking crazy madman, but oh, yeah. like yeah. still she's incredible in her bits. Like yeah. The, yeah. it's a different she's role. She's the heart of this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a different role. Yeah. Yeah. John gets as Stathis Borens. Oh fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. So gets, he gets a, yeah. Uh, let's not talk about his character. 
character. Let's talk about John John Getz because yep. John Getz is great. He's a character actor that I've always really liked. He's in the very first Coen Brothers movie, Blood Simple. Yeah, which is amazing. Uh, who is he in Blood Simple again? He's the lead in yep. Blood Simple. He's the, he's the co-lead with Francis McDormand. Yeah, he's the co-lead. I don't know if I've seen that one. You have again. It's on the list. Watch it. Man, it's so no, good. no, no, no. You can't watch it's it. On it's on the list. It's on the list. Blood Simple is absolutely on the Fantastic. list. Yeah. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. <laughs> Oh my god! Love that movie, Men at Work, the Amelia Estevez and Charlie Sheen movie. Oh, hectic! Curly Sue, Zodiac. Mm. Oh, I've never seen it. He's a newspaper editor in Zodiac. Yeah, uh, he's in Social Network. He's a lawyer in the Social Network. Oh. He's one of the lawyers. He's Cy, the lawyer in the Social Network. Um, and more recently, he was in Last of Us. Who? He popped up. In, I didn't write down his role. Yeah, he pops yeah. up in, La- in Last of Us. And it's yeah. Fucking love that. So show. he's great. He's a wonderful character actor. He almost always exclusively plays assholes. Yeah. So he yeah, is not I an love, asshole. He's I got, love he's got, actors he's got like a face that. for it. He's got a face for it. Fucking love yeah. actors that. Okay. Trailers. Many trailers. So, so many, many trailers. Many trailers. <laughs> now. Today, <laughs> unlike last episode, can we please stay the fuck on topic? But I don't like to. Yeah. D- during the movie, you I have a lot you to talk about. Me, I have a lot to talk about with the movie. Okay. So I'd like to move through the trailers in an orderly fashion with as little distraction as possible. Okay. Okay. Right. I'll try. First, we will not speak. No, you can speak. <laughs> There's also lots of trailers after the movie as well. Yeah. So we got to we got to spoilers. So many trailers. That's not how's it spoiler ticket. <laughs> Predator. Whatever it is out there, it killed Harper. And now it wants us. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle. It just came alive and took him. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive. It hunts for sport. Skin is one at a time. But this time, if it bleeds, we can kill it. It's picked the wrong man to hunt. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. Yeah, the one, the only. You know what I hate? Like, how much the trailers for Predators give away. Thank you. It is for the VHS, right? Yeah. So the movie's already out in the world. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, half the fun of watching The Predator, like, when you first watch it, is is you don't know what's going on. Is it it The Predator or is it just Predator? It's just Predator. There is no The Predator that's later that's Shane Black. It's cleaner. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's John McTiernan's macho action (laughs) horror classic. Definitely on the list. The actual part of that joke. Really just dawned on me. Yeah, so <laughs> I did the same thing on the Evil Dead episode. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of which, Evil Dead Two. Yeah. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the theater of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. Yeah, this trailer really plays on the horror, not the laughs, yeah. which is funny. Oh. Um, it ends with the skull with the eyes. 
yeah. that is not in the movie. <laughs> but it's and the like logo for it. Isn't it's, it? The, yeah. it's the graphic, and it uses the uh, the it uses the subtitle for the movie that most people don't re- use for anything. Dead by Dawn. I never knew it had a. Subtitle it's kind of a one. tagline. It's right. also kind of a subtitle. It's right. also evil. It's kind of Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn, but it's kind of not. Right. Yeah. Dawn by Dead Evil 2? Yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, Evil Dead 2 we're going to do. Yeah. I, Evil Dead 1. I can't wait, and I'm going to have to watch Evil Dead first. Because you didn't. So, yeah. Because you weren't on the pod. Yeah. yeah. I really fucking am upset about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your own fault. Because I really just wanted to discuss it with you guys. It's yeah. your own fault. I know, I know. You make your choices. I know. Getting married, man. <laughs> Enemy territory? On Friday night, Barry Rapchick, the insurance agent, had one last appointment to make. Do you know which apartment Elva Briggs is in? Don't touch me, mother. I've had a very long day, and I have neither the time nor the patience for any more of you kids playing Scarface with me. Get dead, man. All he had to do was get the papers signed. I'm sorry, I can't take cash. By signed, I've got the payment. Well, it's all right. Collect the premium and get out alive. That's the dark old man. Look, this is crazy. The vampires? The vampires do this? They're trapped in enemy territory, and the vampires want their blood. Yeah, this, this actually, for me, this was like, oh, I've watched this movie uh, in um, The Raid. The Thank raid, you. I was like, The Raid Prototype. And Judge Dredd. Yeah, I knew where you were going yeah. with it. Thank you, yeah. No, you, sorry, that was just Dredd. Oh, Dredd, yeah. Dredd yeah. definitely ripped off The Raid, though, right? 100%. Uh, it was like exactly no, the same format. They were, they were in production pretty close to each other. Oh, really? Uh, it's not as much. I think it's just it's just one of those- Both of them like, were ripping this so, off. Same <laughs> ideas. Well, I mean, uh, you know, a movie- it's like it's not a novel idea. It's just nah. a novel idea because you hadn't seen it in yeah. twenty years. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, right? it's essentially a video game in a movie. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah, yeah. So this is an insurance agent versus a street gang in New York public housing. <laughs> yeah, so inappropriate. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's not. I'll, I'm going to get to that in a okay. second. I, I I went and did some research just okay. in case because <laughs> he knew you were going to be racist. You, you're like <laughs> audience. Keen is pointing <laughs> at me <laughs> very accusingly. Brody, Brody right wants now. to pull out his racist stick and bash a <laughs> bash something and call it racist. And I'm like, wait a second. No, I want to, no. So anyway, Tony Todd is the, is yeah, one of the bad guys. He's the candy, candy man. man. Candy man. Candy, candy man. man. Candy man. <laughs> candy I'm man. not saying it a third time. Be my victim. Be my victim. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. One of the other guys is Ray Parker Jr. Oh, he wrote and performed the Ghostbusters song. Right, the name sounds familiar. Anyway, that's his big claim to fame. He's a <laughs> musician that it turns out to be an actor, and also someone who I only know by a meme. Um, Chad Michael Vincent. Oh right, Chad Michael Vincent. 
Jan Michael Vincent. Jan Michael Vincent. That's it. Yeah. Who okay. is that? He's an actor from that. Was he of in time. everything? Once upon a time, <laughs> he's in lots of stuff. He's okay. in a TV show I love called Airwolf. We'll okay. To, we may do Airwolf as a as a TV. Call. <laughs> it does sound like one I'd okay. like. So remember how I talked about not getting distracted. Mm. This is a forgotten gem of of New York set exploitation sleaze cinema. I'm kind of into it. I've not seen this movie, but I'm kind of into it. Just in case, I went and found a review. Yeah. So this is from Matt Singer. Race is frequently the original motivator for violence against whites in these under siege street by, by street gang movies until it becomes clear that the gangs are equal opportunity killers. It's in this way that a lot of the racial subjects of these movies get scrubbed away in favor of simple fear of violence, as is the case in this movie. And often in these movies, the the gang is a mix of, ra- of races. That it's is not true. Normally 80s just was very equal opportunity with their gangs. With their gangs, yeah. 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 You, there's always a white boy. There's always at least yeah. one white boy in the gang. Yeah. yeah. There's no rich gangs, though. No, that's true. Well, is, there's not a really a need for gangs when you're rich, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you kind of are a basically, mafia, though. Basically, like yeah. Wall Street, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the Lamp. Since the beginning of time, man has been fascinated by the mysterious, the unexplained, the unknown. Consider, if you will, the legend of the Lamp. Looks like something out of Arabian Nights. Oh, is it okay if I open I it? Know, I wish you but think twice before you make a wish. One thing, though, about the warning on the inscription. What's that? The former owner should have read it. You've uncovered another King Tut's curse, huh? For within it lurks the unleashed power of death and destruction. It can take any form. Strike any time. Anywhere. Alex knows. I don't think I like this. Quit worrying. You will before the night's over. And soon her friends will too. I guess you've got to send to Miss Wallace. What's the matter? Afraid? That there is no way Ah! on earth. Something's wrong. To put an end to the terror. Prototype night at the museum, but horror? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So teens who hide in a museum for the night open up an ancient lamp and unleash a genie. This looks like a lot of fun. And the genie is pissed. Yeah, supernatural talent. <laughs> yeah, this looks really like, this looks like totally my jam. Yeah. Um, it has another name. It's mostly known around the world as The Outing, which is a terrible title. Um, <laughs> terrible. The whole movie, the whole movie is on YouTube. Oh. oh, you just okay. look for it on, for YouTube. It's not very good quality. I tried to watch it and it was too dark. And then I tried to yeah. see if I could find a, a DVD or a Blu-ray. And so no, I probably didn't have much, you know. It looks from the from the like first five minutes that I looked. It looked like it had pretty decent like production value. It didn't look like yeah. super super cheap. It looked like it was okay. And I but it, the the quality was too blocky. I couldn't tell what the fuck was happening. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, I, okay. I, I, I want to watch this movie, but I want to watch a good version of it. Yeah. yeah. And then we got another Predator trailer that just explains the whole movie. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. They really wanted you to watch Predator on VHS. Oh, well, yeah, because we're going to talk about it again in the trailers after the yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Broderick, he's the top banana in Project X. Jimmy Garrett joined the Air Force for 
the challenge. I just hope I'm up to it. But instead of Top Gun... Does this mean I'll be flying soon? No, not you. Them. They made him Top Banana. These are monkeys. That was the quickest trailer ever. Yeah. yeah. It was just like Matthew Broderick with a monkey. Was Watch it, it. <laughs> was it just me? Or was there a, like a trend in like the maybe the early 90s where it was just like movie that we've done before, but now monkeys? <laughs> yeah, with a like, like, I mean, This is from the yeah. mid 80s, but yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah. well, well 80s and 90s. Right, yeah. okay, okay, okay. So it's from 85, 86. Yeah. But, like, I feel like it's just like, oh, we want to make a kid's version of this movie? Now they're monkeys. What movie do you think it is a version of? It's like, for me, it's like Top Gun plus monkeys. Mm, kind of, not really. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Have you seen monkeys? it? Yeah, of course. Of course I've seen Project <laughs> Of course you've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I was a child in the 80s. I saw Project <laughs> And I love Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I mean, who doesn't love that man? I'll watch anything Matthew Broderick. Yeah, same. He's yeah. in some terrible fucking movies. Oh, yeah. Is he? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's just permanently a good time, though. I just thought he was someone who didn't do a lot of movies because what he did touched kind of were big hitters. No, you just nah. only know the big ones. And yeah. most of the other ones have fallen away into then people don't remember them. Mm. He's in some ah. fucking horrendous movies. <laughs> what, what's that saying? Like, time sends away all mistakes or something like that? Time heals all wounds. Nah, not that <laughs> it's, it's something like it smooths all the roughness or something. Sure. Who's going to recap Don't the- listen to me. <laughs> Who's going to recount the premise of The Fly? I always forget this is a thing. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast for how long? I don't know. A couple of years now, I think. A year and a half. Not only yeah. a half. I don't know. Time it's is felt a, like a lifetime, hasn't it? Time is a flat circle. Um, do you want to go it or me? I'll give it a crack. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, the Fly is a metaphysical exploration of Ooh. madness and science. I kind of like that. That is a good log line. Pull that out of my butt. I have a mouthful of cookie. That was really good. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> that was what a log line should be, like half a line. I expected you to do a bad job that was going to take at least 30 seconds, so I took a mouthful of cookie. <laughs> <in my house. laughs> now it's you stuck. You can't. You know, you know, you know how, 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 how time seems to slow down when someone's expecting you to talk and you're eating? Yeah, yeah. it does. That's so weird. Mm, time is a flat circle. Yeah. The blockbuster entertainment guide to movies and videos from the year 1998. The Fly, an experiment gone awry, transforms mild men scientists into a grotesque insect. This remake of the 1958 Chiller often turns the stomach, but is worth it for the scares it delivers. Goldblum's performance is exceptional. One Oscar for makeup, followed by a sequel, four stars. Fuck yes. There was an Oscar for makeup on this film. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, so. it, it was awesome. It was terrible. Like, the prosthetics, me trying to watch it, I was like... This is disgusting as fuck. Like Ellie started watching yeah. over my shoulder and couldn't stay. Um, it me, was me and Cass watched the whole thing. Yeah, she was she was <laughs> she was like trying to look at a phone but couldn't look away. Yeah. It wasn't even like I was describing the nail bit, and she was like, oh, "No, yeah. ah, ah, no." Yeah, <laughs> I just Kira's not seen this movie. I described this She's movie. She's not to, seen no, this. I've tried to get her to watch this for years. I understand and why not, she would. And she, it's a hard sell. And I described the movie to her, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm glad I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. Like, it sounds it sounds totally like your thing, but I don't need to see that. See, but for me, the visuals aren't for Kira. The writing, hundred percent, is. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And yeah. the performances, yeah. the the subtlety in the performances, while they're still doing these big things, the subtleties in the actual like nuance of it's their, a, it's a small story. Yeah, yeah. This movie fucking flew. Yeah. Anyone else? 
It did not feel like, uh, how long was it? A couple of scenes. Uh, it's 95. No. Yeah. 95. It yeah. felt like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was a couple of scenes that, uh, I'm not going to say dragged. It was from the eight, it was from the 80s. Yeah. It's, it's when they go for a long shot and it goes for slightly too long. There's yes. not snappy editing. Yeah. But it didn't need it. But also it's not that type of movie. Yeah. Yeah, but it just, like, it's not like it was a super mm-hmm. climactic movie. It just kept, just happened so quick. As always, I will save my thoughts for later. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna Maslin of the New York Times is Corinne James uh, of the New York Times. August 15 of 1986, she wrote, In the 1958 movie The Fly, David Henderson portrayed quite a decorous flyman who most of the film kept a black veil over the insect's head that topped his human body after a failed experiment. In David Cronenberg's new version, Jeff Goldblum is a graphic fly for the fact-crazed 1980s, transformed into a creature so repulsive he makes the movie Monster in the Movie Aliens look like Grandma in a Norman Rockwell, <laughs> a Norman Rockwell painting. This all-out flaunted goriness becomes distracting and destroys the fly, which is too bad because Mr. Goldblum's fly man has heart and humor, and Mr. Cronenberg's vision is ambitious. She does a bunch of recapping. She talks about the three leads and the love triangle, coming back into it. This lifeless triangle is the first misstep in a film that tries to be too many things at once. Uh-uh. Funny, but not campy, sad and scary, a horror story and a human tragedy. As Brundle slowly turns into a ghastly mad creature though, he resembles a decomposing body that still has enough wit to call himself Brundlefly. <laughs> Mr. Cronenberg's <laughs> interest narrows and his camera languidly worships every stage of the metamorphosis. The plot diminishes to how can he possibly look worse and should I watch? One consistently strong element in the midst of Mr. Cronenberg's haywire, tone-death direction, as he becomes a creature we can still recognize his voice and his eyes peering through the increasing layers of rubbery goo that encases him. But like the fly itself, which opens today, he's eventually lost in the goop. Tone deaf direction? That ain't it. That person totally missed the the point of so many of the things that she, is she or he? She. She's criticizing. Yeah. Like the thing, some of the things she's criticizing were the point of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Box office for the weekend, the fly opened in the US. Mm Mm-hmm. I bet it didn't perform well. I am going against that. Okay. What do you What do you reckon? I think it would have been fifth on the first week and then gone up to second or third. See, so yeah, I reckon it might have climbed up from the bottom a little bit, but yeah. then dropped off. Yeah. The fly opened at number one. The weekend. Shut up, it, that's it, sick. It. Really? Yep. Fuck yeah. I can imagine that now. Yeah. I can imagine that now. Never. No. What I hate is that the grotesqueness of cinema has been so like carved out. Like people avoid going to see those kinds of movies that have any of, of this kind of thing because Except they're like, the no, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Besides. Yeah, exactly. It's not a, it's, there's not a movie going general audience now. But also it's, this movie, yeah. but I mean, it's part of the problem well, we talked died. about is, yeah. is that people only make big movies that are IP. So yeah. a movie like this doesn't really get made right oh, now. Yeah, it falls so, into that thing that we've discussed many yeah. times. Yeah. Second was Armed and Dangerous, a John Candy cop movie. Mm-hmm. It was in its first week. I feel uh, like I've heard of that one. Yeah. Third was Aliens in its fifth week. The Karate Kid Part 2 in its ninth week. Shit, yeah. Fuck yeah, I Fuck. love that movie. And rounding out top five was a Tom Hanks movie that I had never heard of called Nothing in Common. No. That was in its third week. And also still charting. And this, cause this is fucking wild, right? This just blows my mind. Top Gun, Michael Mann's Manhunter, John Cusack comedy called One Crazy Summer, Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Wow. Part Fer- 6. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm. Stand By Me, Short Circuit, the Boy Who Could Fly and Labyrinth are what all still playing lineup. in cinemas. At the same time? Yes. What a fucking lineup. Okay. Imagine yourself in 1986. Yeah. You're looking at the paper. You go, where am I going to, what am I going to watch this weekend? Yeah. 
You can't choose. No, it's you like just a, go. You just do what I did. Just watch it all. You just do what I did in the nineties, which is go on a Saturday and figure out how you can see every movie that's open. That's what I was about to back, say. Back to back. It's like, where do feature. I fit in lunch in these movies? That's yeah. what I fucking try and figure out. Oh, popcorn for lunch, man. Yeah, <laughs> that would have yeah. been me for sure. So the fly held on to the top ten for for another seven weeks. So what? it was in the top ten for for no, wow. So I'm so surprised by the taste of movie going audiences mm. back then. It was a hit. It made forty million dollars off of a incredible somewhere between nine to 15 million dollar budget i couldn't get a firm number on what the actual budget was it did so well that three years later they made a sequel oh yeah There's i the knew Fly there was two. a sequel it was a flop what's the what's the story of the sequel i would like you to tell me what you think the story of the sequel is based on the movie that you saw i've got one um do you know what the sequel no cool. is it is it uh someone so either someone picks up his research or the kid is born. I think the evil then good, uh, what the fuck was he? He was a publisher. The publisher? The yeah. editor. Stathis. Uh, Stathis, after all the trauma and fun, suddenly um, decides to go about his evil ways again and tries to- Oh, I hope that's it. Get the research back up or something. Yeah. Get Bro- his hands Brody and was, leg back. Brody was, Brody was closer. <laughs> the second movie opens with the kid being born. Yes. Uh, yes. Is it larvae? Inside Bartok Sciences. Yes. (gasps) They're trying to restart his research. They're trying to restart his research. He grows at a fast rate. So by the time that he's five, he looks like an an adult. Yes. (laughs) And then he tries to restart his own. He's never left the lab. He tries to restart his father's research. Oh my god! I watched it last night. I hadn't seen it since I was since I was a kid. It's not on the list. I, it's, oh. it's not on the list. Uh, so is it amazing? Means, which means watch it. <laughs> yeah, but I can't watch a movie by myself. Like no, I, I hate such that. A fucking loser, man. <laughs> so bored. Just such a fucking loser. Cannot watch a movie on my own. I went to the cinema on my own last night. I just like watching things with people. Anyway, because I like discussing it. That's I love watching things. Okay. Don't so wait for someone to like it. Here's the thing. It's not directed by Cronenberg. Ah, Cronenberg's never made a sequel. Yeah, right. So don't go in expecting a a Cronenberg movie, Mm. right? Because nobody makes movies like Cronenberg. Taking that into account, it's a fun little genre B movie with with tons of good gore effects in it. It's nothing nothing near as grotesque. Oh yeah, there's stuff that's just as gross, but it's just not not as inspired as this one. It's not as thematically rich. The thing that I loved about the gore in this one- like an it's not, a, Cronen- it's not yeah. a Cronenberg movie. It's just a monster movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I get you. Fly 2 was directed by Chris Wallace, or Wallace, who did the effects work for the first movie. Yeah. He had also created the Gremlins. Oh, yeah, nice. Did the effects work for, right. for, gre- for Gremlins, and had previously worked with Cronenberg that. on Scanners. Eric Stoltz plays yeah, okay. Jeff Goldblum's son. He had a penchant for um, movies where he was in a lot of makeup. Cronenberg has never made a sequel. He has toyed around with a screenplay for a spiritual sequel to this movie in the early 2000s, but it never got up and running. And I don't think that it, it ever will at this point. Okay. My backstory with this movie is that I remember seeing the second movie when, oh, I, was really? a, when I was a kid. All right. The second movie, I saw this, I definitely saw the second movie. I That's don't really so remember funny. having, don't really remember seeing the, the first movie when I was a kid, but I definitely saw the sequel and I saw the sequel with my dad. I wonder if I blocked the trauma of the first movie out of my head as a small Interesting, child. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So I then rediscovered this movie as a, I think I, 
pretty sure that it was when it came out on DVD in the video store in the early two thousand in the early two thousands. Yeah. But I have seen this movie many, 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 many times. Yeah. yeah. I I just remember my dad, probably from early my early teenagers, recommending me watch this all the time and I just really? never got, and I never got around to it. My dad for some reason um, and my dad's not Your dad's like a, a fascinating man. He's an interesting guy. He, he's he's got very specific tastes and he loves Australian cinema. But there's a few real, like, this Blade Runner and a few, like, those 80s sci-fi things when he was the right age, loved them. If me and my dad were talking about the flow, he'd be like, nah, don't need to watch that up. Yeah, garbage. It's gross. Garbage. Yeah. yeah. If you want to watch the fly, it is streaming in the star section of Disney+. Plus. In most countries that have star, nah. or it's probably on Hulu if you're in the if you're in the US, yeah, because it's owned by Disney now. You can buy it digitally pretty much everywhere. Um, there's a Blu-ray that I think might be out of print, so I would grab it in, if, if, if you can. If you can, yeah. My um, my sources this week, aside from just my brain, uh, I watched <laughs> a making of doco called Fear of the Flesh. That's from the DVD release of the movie. That's pretty good. Runs like an hour. Um, and also read the screenplay by Cronenberg. I really wish that I had been doing that from the beginning of this podcast because it, reading the screenplays to these movies, which I've been doing for like the past like six or seven, yeah. I think, uh, when I can when I can find them, so valuable to, yeah. to understanding the how the movie was put together. And Cronenberg writes fucking beautifully in the, yeah? in the screenplay. Yeah, it's uh, really well written. Can you give us an idea of his style of writing? There might be some samples later. Yeah, but samples of his writing. Oh. I, I just meant like when you say he writes beautifully. What do you mean? It's just is he, is he writing um, for a reader or is he writing? It, for no, a, it's uh, not like super prosy, but it's but it's very well. It's just very well balanced and very well con, well considered. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. okay. I, you'll understand. I, I have some pages. Yeah, okay. That we'll that we'll get to. <laughs> so let's let's talk our way through uh, the fly. We open with score and credits over what what we'll come to see is a is a crowd of people, but they start out of focus, filtered in red, blue, and green mm. to look like, like they're being watched by a fly. But they also kind of have like this swarm of insects. Yeah, that's what I thought them, they were going for, which I think is kind of interesting. And then um, I, I want to talk about score up front because I think that the, one of the things that that really helps this movie, being a small movie like you talked about, is the yeah. fact that the score is fucking epic. So the score's by Howard Shaw. And there's really nice moments of quiet in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Howard Shaw is the composer of all of Cronenberg's movies since 1979. Huh. Except for one. Right? He's probably best. that week. He's probably best known. (laughs) Well, I think that he was working on something else because Uh, he got kind of like, he got kind of like trapped by a franchise. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He he worked on a little franchise called Lord of the Rings. Oh, Um, I haven't heard of that one. Did the music for those movies. Uh Uh-huh.
what a guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So Howard Shaw. Thank you for missing that Cronenberg movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So yeah, so Howard Shaw rules, and the score of this movie is is fantastic. So at Bartok Science Industries' fourth annual Meet the Press event, Seth Brundle <laughs> tells a very bored-looking reporter, mm, Veronica and Gina yeah. Davis, that he's working on something that's going to change the world. I swear, like. This is maybe just me, but like Veronica was such a common name in movies back in yeah. the 80s and 90s. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Ronnie is yeah. what, is, is Ron, what Ronnie, he yeah. ends up calling her. Yeah. So he invites her back to his lab. He'll make her, <laughs> he'll make her cappuccino. He's got a real machine with an eagle on top and everything. Who this would is, be trusting this man right now? He's, like, oh, he's yeah. so predatory. She's so bored and yeah. he is so sketchy. Yeah. Oh, but he's like he, super when, awkward. When they arrive, it's like, run. Yeah. You're going to get murdered. Like, I feel like, yeah, some of the things is like, he is a dangerous man and making so inappropriate jokes. But like, I feel like it's also like, she's like a jaded journalist and he's just like, so socially awkward and yeah. socially awkward. Yeah. Because she says to him, somehow I get the feeling you don't get out much. You can tell that. How did you figure that out? <laughs> Only when I murder people. <laughs> yeah. She actually walks away from him and he is so persistent that he follows. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yep. They're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. They're going to change the world by millimeters. I'm changing it by meters, motherfucker. Yeah. And I think probably out of out of like boredom, out of yeah. being a jaded report, reporter who mm. goes to these things all the time, all the time. Yeah, she's very capable. She gets in the. She gets in. The, uh, she doesn't think he's a threat. She goes yeah. with him yeah. in the car. He gets motion sickness. Yeah, he doesn't like transport. I love the he little fucking like, things they've done with him. He doesn't like. Transport. I was he gets motion sickness. I was trying it's to. One of the reasons he's working on what he's working on. Yeah. That that only hit me like most of the way through the movie. I'm like, they started mentioning transport a lot yeah. more. And I'm like, yeah. it's oh, tra that's transportation. Why. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what, what? What? What a crap! Like, it's well, a little bit of a shit motivation. But yeah. then you like work it in with like he's a super weird dude as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It works. So yeah, <laughs> they drive to the wrong side of the tracks. Literally, they yeah. cross train tracks mm. and into a what looks like an abandoned warehouse. It looks district. like a murder warehouse. It looks like a saw warehouse. It looks like a. Yeah. It looks like a mannequin warehouse. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. you're gonna go inside. <laughs> and it's gonna be full of fucking mannequins. It does. Those mannequins have opinions, and their opinion is, "I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> <laughs> so, this is Toronto, Canada. Cronenberg, I don't think has ever made a movie outside of Canada. What a man! Oh no, he's definitely made movies in Europe, but at this point in his career, he's definitely never left never left Canada. I he insisted that. that the movie was shot in Canada. One of the reasons he insisted it was shot in Canada is because he uses the same crew all the time. Yeah. He's cinematographer, he's costume designer, he's production designer, composer Howard Shaw. It's the same people. He just collects people. Goldblum isn't isn't Canadian, is he? Mm. No, no, no. no, okay. no I just sort of check. Well, that's yeah. actors, but yeah, yeah that's actors. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's his cinematographer? I'll talk about him later. Thank you. I'll talk about him later very specifically. This part of town in in Toronto, Canada is used in a bunch of movies. Mm. It's used. I feel like I've seen the it's a lot of warehouse fronts. A lot of well, yeah. I mean, that's Vancouver, not Toronto. Not Toronto. Oh. X Files wasn't shot in Toronto. Oh. Maybe I'm telling totally you. It's just quite a bit in the Police Academy movies. Ah. <laughs> it's since been gentrified into a kind of nice neighborhood, cool. but the building is still there. Fantastic. I looked it up on Google Maps, and you can. So, actually, he's, um, the entrance that they go into is the loading dock at the back of the building. Yeah. So, it's in an alleyway at the, at the back of the building. And uh, yeah, it's it's still there. They didn't shoot it in that building, though, did they? They built no, the set. No, they built set. Ah, so, the, the stairs. Oh, I'm disappointed. Yeah. The stairs in the hallway of the building, and then once you're in the loft, it's a set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love the loft. They go into the loft. Yes, it's yeah. an open plan with a lounge area with a piano 
and the pods are just standing in the room where he could fit them, yeah. which is which is incredible. The design of the pods is based on a motorcycle engine. Yes, Love that. I can see that. Specifically, the kind of thing. Specifically, yeah. a Ducati 450 Desmo that Cronenberg owned. Mad, I can see that. Yeah, it's yeah. So cool. You can see his brain just being like figuring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you'd be like, what could he have like built in here? And like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He starts playing the piano for her. Yeah. So <laughs> smooth. <laughs> She's so smooth. in. Instantly regretting her choices. Nah, he's, he's she's like, I'm she gives her a look like, where the fuck? Like, where's the science, yeah. dude? He says to her, "It's too late. You've already seen them. You can't leave alive." Yeah. And then starts playing <laughs> ominous notes he's on the so piano. Good. I so didn't know good. he could play piano. So theatrical in everything he does. Yeah. Hey, designer phone booths, very cute. Hey, I bet you have a really neat jukebox in here too, someplace. Over there, maybe. No. No, this is the this is the prototype of those. It's the first one I had made. It uh, works, but it's clunky. A clunky Chekhov's prototype. Yeah. Of the other two pods. <laughs> you beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He starts up the machine from the control console and tells her that they're telepods. He wants to show her what it does, but he needs a personal item like clothing or, or jewelry. She doesn't wear jewelry, so she takes off one of her stockings. Not your jacket or anything, love. But also, like, did anyone think she was taking off her panties for a second? I was like, whoa, this is this is a little bit hectic. In I the, thought that a little bit as well. Yeah. In the script, this is from the from the screenplay, Veronica flips off her panties. <laughs> An impulsive act rather than a calculated one. She holds them out to Brundle. They're lacy and pretty. Brundle is shocked. He puts them into a pod. The control panel is unlocked via voice command. He runs the machine. The first thing that happens is that the automatic door latch on the outside of the telepod slides shut. The latch is substantial, even massive, suggesting it would not be a good thing for the door to open accidentally. Now, as Veronica watches, the panties begin to disintegrate in the telepod. It's almost as though we can see the atoms breaking off of the cloth itself and begin to float, swirl and swarm around a bright, cold light of the telepod. In moments, there is nothing left of the panties. The telepod lights flash once and then go out. Brundle turns proudly to Veronica. Well? Great. The world's largest microwave oven. I'm glad I didn't give you my Rolex, if I had a Rolex. No, you're missing the point. Look. I love that. And that is very prosaic. Yeah. 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 There are big chunks of, of action description. They're, they're, it's not prose, right? Because prose is, prose is different. But there are like, Esque. there are definite elegant descriptions yes. is, the way that I, yeah. is the way that I would phrase it. Yeah. So she doesn't get it. She, she thinks he made the world's biggest microwave oven. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. He shows her her stocking in the other pod. And she thinks it's a hologram. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not the first leap you make. You yeah. definitely think teleportation. No, I... Oh, I the mean, 80s holograms holograms were a thing, man. Yeah. There was a video game, there's a cowboy video game that must have come out around this era that was a like a circular table with a dome where you played a video game inside a hologram yeah. with, a cow, with a cowboy. This was, um, what, what's the... There's a very specific type of um, it's way a pep, you do... It's Pepper's Ghost. Pepper's Ghost. It's a Pepper's yeah. Ghost effect. So yeah. it's not actually a hologram, but it looks like a, but it looks like a hologram. Yeah. He explains that the stocking has been teleported. She's getting it, but she doesn't understand it. Yeah. Which I think is great. Like it's, it, yeah. it's, it's so simple that you can't possibly comprehend what, I, yeah. what I've achieved. She turns on a little handheld tape recorder and sticks it into her pocket. 
and he really starts making her coffee with the eagle on top. I love the explanations for how he was able to build the telepods alone, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So he's, he says, Well, I don't work alone. There's a lot of stuff in there I don't even understand. I'm really uh, a systems management man. I farm bits and pieces uh, out to guys who are much more brilliant than I am. I say, build me a laser this, design me a molecular analyzer, that and they do, and I just stick them together. But uh, none of them knows what the project really is. So... It's just a wonderful mm. paragraph that explains how he is able to do what he's what he, what he's doing. Yeah, it just yeah. gives you everything you need to know. That's like and you great exposition. You don't need more right than that. that it right. doesn't just set up the uh, ability to have like a little like low budget scientist making things in his thing, but it also like gives this lovely aspect of like humbleness to him as mm. well because he's such a like, well, nice, he, perfect he, guy. Because he starts start. like he starts exactly. like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he hasn't even told Bartok what he's working on, but he's so inexpensive that they don't, they never bother yeah. him. And eventually they'll own whatever it is that he's doing anyway. Yeah. And so I love really, that he's okay really with that care. as well. Her mm. tape recorder starts beeping because the tape is, tape is run out. She take, he takes it out and he freaks out. He thought he was showing. <laughs> he was just picking thought up. Thought he a was girl. showing off off the record. Yeah, <laughs> but she's like, no, this no, no. Is this a personal is a, visit, this isn't is a, it? Yeah. This is a story. Yeah. She ends up leaving, and then she goes to her publisher at Monolith. The next day, she plays the tape for her editor of Particle Magazine, Stathis Borens. What a fucking name. Yeah. Stathis is such a good name. Stathis mm. Borens. Mm. Yeah. Um, from the desk of Stathis Borens. He thinks it's a joke. <laughs> A con magic trick, like the two old cabinets gag. He doesn't really. But also, he really works bite. for a science magazine, and you sent her to a, like dinner where there's a bunch of scientists working on things, and it's yeah. like, oh, he's a con man. <laughs> no, it's not real. Uh, I look, I imagine there are quite a few quite con, a lot con of man scientists out there. Uh, there Fair are a play. lot of con men. It's Theranos. Sorry, Theranos. What's they that? made a mag- magic box. What's that? You don't know Theranos? Nah. Is in Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Okay, no. okay. She made the she made the machine that could do all your blood tests from a single drop oh, of blood. Oh yeah, and it was but a they, hoax. They ran that company oh, for yeah. like she ran that company for like almost fifteen years before they figured out they couldn't do shit. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Okay. Oh, those, yeah. Mm. She's yeah. Going, she's going to jail. She went to jail. I only vaguely remember that. But you're sending them to like a conference with other scientists. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, doesn't. It's not, I don't think it's much of a stretch. He's no. also yeah. like, he's also like. It's not much of a stretch. You are right. He's also a total fucking asshole. Yeah. Like that is his character. He's dismissive yeah. of her all the time. He's. And obsessed. He's obsessed. Yeah. And he's, as we'll find out, he's obsessed and he's like super paternal of her. Yeah. Right. Because of the, because the age difference, which we'll find out about later. So. A lot about that relationship disgusted me. Oh yeah. yeah but, but that's. But done it well. But it's meant to. Yeah. Like it's meant to. Yeah. Brundle has shown up. He's followed her to the, to the publishing place. <laughs> Stathis makes a couple of gags at Brundle's expense and then kind of leaves. Brundle's like, it's excellent. He didn't believe you. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm going to give you a magic word. Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum hands. Cheeseburger. How fucking great is I it? I know. Oh. He's so good. It's so amazing. Oh. The burger place that they go to, which in the screenplay is like internal McDonald's-esque restaurant yeah. is, the, <laughs> is the scene description. The place they go to is John Anderson charcoal broiled hamburgers. What is it? Broiled hamburgers. Which, is that an American uh, thing? Broiled, which is slightly different. Thank you. I, I I don't know what broiling is though. I said that. I don't know what broiling it's, is. It's it's between is it steaming. It, it's, it's between <laughs> steamed hams. No, no, steamed, steamed hams. That's what I keep thinking of. Not an excuse to cut in steamed hams here. <laughs> Superintendent, I hope you're ready for mouth-watering hamburgers. I thought we were having steamed clams. No, no, I said steamed hams. That's what I call hamburgers. You call hamburgers steamed hams? Yes. It's a regional dialect. Uh-huh. Uh, what region? 
Uh, upstate New York? Really? Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase steamed hams. Oh, not in Utica. No, it's an Albany expression. I see. <laughs> Is that a Roar no. Borealis in your kitchen? Yes, the entire Roar Borealis in my kitchen. Is localized in your kitchen? Yes. Can I see? No. <laughs> Okay, back on to- back uh, on topic. Broiling is like like cooking within like encapsulated, so it it bakes, but also keeps all the steam <laughs> and stuff in. Thank you. It's almost like you, you. you do it for like slow cooking as well. Thank you, Google Adam. John Anderson Chuckle Broiled Hamburgers was a franchise owned by NHL player John Anderson. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> From back in the day where every fucking Canadian hockey player had a restaurant franchise side hustle Fuck because yeah. they didn't make enough money playing ice hockey. Yeah. So <laughs> Apparently there was lots of them in Canada when this movie was made and there's only a few of them left. There's only a few of them left now. I but love it does, The franchise it does still exist. So you can go and get a cheeseburger from the fly. I love that. Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger from the fly. <laughs> cheeseburger. He's been working alone for too long and he has a strong urge to talk about what he's doing, but he's not ready yet for the world to know about it because something important is missing. He can only transport inanimate objects. She wants to know what happens when he tries living things. He's like, not while we're eating. Yeah. <laughs> and then he wants her to write a book following him and his work and the book will end with him transporting himself. Tell you what's wild. So what if you can only transport inanimate objects? That's that awesome. changes the fucking world. It does change the yeah. world. <laughs> that like you just change mail. It's not a it's mail. Change, you change, change delivery. Everything. Shipping. It's yeah. shipping. Yeah. Yeah. You have a tiny transporter in your house and then you order a thing and it's there. Yeah. It's essentially you've essentially created like 3D printing, except all the things to make it are somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. She goes and home. Better. Yeah. Real. She goes home to find Stathis is in her shower. Oh. Uh, so yeah, there used to be a thing and he's still got a key. She, I love that she flushes the toilet on him so the yeah. water runs cold. Did anyone, have you, you haven't seen The Fly before. Did you pick up that there was an intimate relationship before this scene? Yes. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but the subtlety to the performance. The performance of the performances. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Mm. Yeah. He still wants her. Yeah. He's done some background on Brundle and is like, no, we should probably do a story about him. And what she does is throw him off because- She's now realized that this is a, could be really, really good for her and she doesn't want him to, to blow it for her. Uh, and the whole line about the fucking key, like... He kicks, he, she kicks him out and asks for the key back and he's like, no, I'm going to keep the key. Yeah, which fucking is, scumbag. Yeah, mm. but she's in, a, she's in a... It's interesting because... It's a power dynamic. It, it's yeah. interesting because she's in a shitty relationship and she sees a professional way out of that relationship that then becomes a personal way out of that relationship. Yeah. So it's it's complex. Yeah. Like, she's like... An, yeah, it's that's it's why com- I it's don't complex. agree with that fucking New Yorker review. It was like fucking. Th- there's nuance it, to this it that it is not realized. It motivates why she ends up behaving some of the ways exactly. that she, the way that she yeah. does. Yeah, because she's trying to get out of this kind of poisonous this poisonous relationship. Poisonous yeah. is both personal and professional relationship. Yeah. yeah. Brundle is attempting to transport a baboon oh. while Veronica mm. films it. It does not go well. That, that, poor, ba- that poor baboon. Jesus Christ. It did not go well on set. The, the, oh, what do you no. what? The first take, the transportation, the pod has like flashing lights inside it. Mm. Yeah. They put the baboon in the in the oh. in the pod and start flashing the lights for the take. It freaks out, breaks through the door. No. And goes straight to Jeff Goldblum. Oh. <laughs> because he had had to build a relationship with the with the baboon. Oh my god. For what happens in the rest of the movies. Oh, I love that. Wait. 
Does it go to him like for protection or because yeah. baboons are they, they can be violent. They can yeah. be violent. Yeah, do not fuck with apes. Yeah, fuck no. Do not fuck with apes. Cronenberg talks now about that the hug that he Cronen- gives it when it does get yeah. transported is so much nicer. Cronenberg talks about the fact that having the baboons on the set was tense. Yeah. Because for sure. Because there he was like a little he was not comfortable with with what he had written yeah. <laughs> once he had actually had the baboons on set. But yeah. they were relatively well behaved. So it only freaked out once. Okay, good. They they got mm. it they got it used to yeah. to it and yeah. And and uh Goldblum had built a relationship with them so that he could perform with them. I which love actually that. turned out to be to be quite good. Because yeah. there was a moment that there's this baboon where he jumps in his arms and like he he's giving it. him a cuddle, but then like Jeff Goldblum does this thing that I do with like my dog, where I like put my face in its face, and I'm like, mm, 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 mm. which is like, really I dangerous with that. a baboon. Yeah, no, I would not they, do they that can, with a baboon. They can fuck your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, the, <laughs> the bloody stump. Though. Oh, yeah. The baboon is inside out. Game. She interviews him. <laughs> she wants to know what he's thinking. Fuck is what I'm thinking. I love his love lines. That. Yeah, yeah. The world will want to know what you're thinking. Fuck is what I'm thinking. Good. The world will want to know that. What else? Why didn't it work? I think it uh, turned the baboon inside out. Why? Can't deal with the flesh. It only seems to work with inanimate objects, nothing that's living. Must be my fault. Why? Computers are dumb. They only know what you tell them. I must not know enough about the flesh myself. I'm going to have to learn. I love it. Deliberate use of the word flesh. Mm. Not organic matter. Not, it doesn't know enough about living things. Flesh is specific. It's about meat. The ape is meat. Mm. We are meat. It's about flesh. What's great about the line flesh and yeah. how they like everything is focused around the line, the flesh, the poetry of the flesh, the fear of the flesh, blah, 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 blah. Even when they're like doing the steak tests and things like that, there's this like, even as the fly falls apart and he keeps his bits, there's this, there's this disconnect between the flesh and humanity, which I really fucking love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And flesh is a word that is visceral. Oh yeah, yeah. it's a word that feels like uh, it feels like meat more than the word meat does. Yeah. Yeah, content warning. It does. It, content warning. It's the uh, moist to wet. Yeah, there's a texture <laughs> to yeah. flesh. Yeah. Yes. He's being uh, a sad boy on his pull-out couch bed. <laughs> I love his pull-out couch bed. It's great. Yeah. We find out that he Einstein's his clothes, meaning he has multiple <laughs> sets that are exactly Best the way same. Best way to do it. Yeah. But, I mean... And then, Im- yeah. <laughs> but then immediately, immediately we start seeing him in other outfits. Well, no, no, no. She buys him a jacket yeah. and then he's in flannels? Yeah. And I'm like, she, come on, man. Yeah, I want you jumping ahead, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's bought some steaks. She could make him one, which is just wonderful because it's, it's set up. Mm. It's set up, but it's also like we just saw a baboon turned inside out. And you're talking yeah. about steak. That and then, is, that's it, again it, one it, of these things where they're just too close yeah. together. Mm. They could go out, 
cheeseburger, and then she th- kind of thinks that he's cute as a sad boy, and then she makes a, she makes a move on him. This is the point where I was like, it's a moving too quick, but it does make sense with the context of where she. Also, the movie only goes ninety minutes, right? So yeah. how much time are you going to dedicate? Yeah. You going to dedicate yeah. to it when you have like so far to go in this movie? And yeah. it is also like it's not a real love; it's kind of a fast, toxic kind of love yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, and also if you take into the context that she is seeing this as a professional and a personal way yeah. out of the she situation that she's already in, yeah, then it makes sense. I, d- yeah. I do question whether she is abusing the relationship, whether she's using him, which initially she is. I think and so. Towards I think the they, end, I think towards they have the genuine. I think I think they have genuine like you can feelings for each can, other. Yeah, you can have genuine feelings yeah. for somebody and get into a relationship f- when when, your, when yeah. your internal motivation is maybe not, not as best. not as not yeah. as good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I would say as well. Yeah. yeah. So afterwards, he rolls onto a circuit board that is in his bed because, of course, he has like bits and pieces of computers and shit in his bed. He gets stuck in his back. It's a little. Foreshadowing Chekhov's little so, Chekhov circuit board. Chekhov I thought that was going to be a Chekhov's motherboard, but do they use it again? Well, yeah. about just the, the cut, not about, the circuit board, but the cut. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, and also it's at the end of the movie. He's merged with his own creation. Ah, mm. uh, interesting. Yeah, right? okay. So she kisses it better. She just wants to eat him up. That's why old ladies pinch babies' cheeks. It's the flesh that makes them crazy. It sparks an idea in him, and he wants to try an experiment. He cuts a steak in two. He transports one half and then cooks both of them. He gets her to eat the non-teleported one first, and then he wants her to try the teleported part. I love her. Oh, are you serious? A monkey just came apart in there. Baboon. But, like, also, how are they not traumatized by that? You know what I mean? Like, they kind of moved on from that a little bit too Science. quick. Yeah. 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 I just want to, like, take one little brief step back and just appreciate the absolute sexuality that both uh, Gina Davis and... Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. It's, it's, oh, yeah. Is, they're kind of hot together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're hot great. together. Yeah. I mean, they're also a real couple. Yeah. 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 No, no. So, but like, just individually, they are. Yeah. Like, looking respectfully, they are beautiful people who ooze sensuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She tastes the teleported steak and it tastes funny, synthetic. Uh huh. The computer is giving us its interpretation of a steak, it's uh, translating it for us, it's rethinking it rather than reproducing it. And uh, something is getting lost in the translation. Me. I'm lost. The flesh. It should make the computer uh, crazy. Like those old ladies pinching babies. But it doesn't. Not yet. I haven't taught the computer to be made crazy by the uh, flesh, the poetry, the stake. So I'm going to start teaching it now. Cut out from the script Mm. is a line where he, before this, where he talks about the life essence and soul and about how even a, even a steak, which is dead has soul. It has life essence. And that's I what the machine that. is missing. And she says to him, what are you going to do? Read it naked lunch. Yeah. Naked lunch is a William S. Burroughs novel. Oh, I thought there was a sensual kind of thing there. No. Not really. It's a it's a William S. Burroughs from the Beat Generation novel. Okay. Cronenberg would later adapt it into a movie in 1991. Huh. So he was already like, he well, put he a reference into yeah. it. So he yeah. must have oh, already that. loved that novel and ultimately it got cut, it got cut out. I, I just love just the, te- the, not the technique, the beat of 
tasting the steak as a way to mm. realize there's something wrong with it. I just thought that was really yeah. clever and simple. I, well, I, you, can, you can show the idea very simply exactly, and easily yeah. without, without being like, we're going to have to have big VFX and yeah. all this sort of thing. And like the That's, poetry of the lines are great. The yeah. like everything is great. The poetry of the line, the poetry of the meat, like yeah. that's fucking brilliant. But just the act of going, oh, I'm going to put steak through and taste it. So brilliant. Mm. Yeah. It's just good writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also good like writing. that she just hose into the steak while he was working yeah. the, the non-teleported one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, half. She leaves and we see that Stathis has spent the night in his car outside after mm. having followed her. Scum. Mm. She goes to a clothing store and has picked out a leather jacket and a bunch of other clothes mm. for him. And Stathis has followed her and he acts like a total asshole harassing her about having spent the night. Not a lot was cut from the movie in the screenplay that I read, but most of the scenes that were trimmed or lines that were trimmed rounded out status. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, none of it really softened. So? None of it really, he just had more scenes and he right. had more kind of dialogue. You got a better sense of him. None of it softened him, but it provided Context more for meat his for him instead of just being a psycho straight away. More flesh, yeah, more, flesh or more, more flesh on the bone. More flesh on the bone for him oh. to chew. Are you saying it fleshed him out? It fleshed him out. <laughs> I am in fact yes. saying it fleshed him um, out. So two things about Stathis. I might jump ahead a little bit in character work, but like I just love him because, first of all, the guy playing him, there's, I'm fucking using the word nuance and subtlety too much, but like there's just such... He does go over the top, but you can just, he's toxic. Mm-hmm. You, we've all been in toxic relationships before. Like, it's just like, you can see that in him so much where like, you can see how he's justifying himself in his own head. Yeah. How he's like, he's not that bad once you get to know him kind of toxic. And it's so oh, but he, well but he done. Ma- he, he does make jokes and comments where he knows his toxic. He does exactly. This, he does this thing yeah. where, and he does it a couple of times through the movie and I'll highlight it later. He becomes reasonable. And then once that person has like softened to him, which is, you know, it's, it's Veronica. He turns the poison back on. Yeah. Yes. And we'll talk specifically about there's a, there's a scene later. Babin to electric boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> he makes it The door opens and he jumps into Brundle's arms. It's time for champagne. Mm-hmm. He has to send the baboon away for Tess uh, to make sure it's really okay, which means that he's going to have a few weeks off. Veronica wants to go away somewhere warm with him. Is this a romance we're having? Yeah, cute. He's going to order Chinese food so that they can have a nice romantic dinner. But then Ronnie finds an envelope that is addressed to her from Stathis that was slipped under the door. So not postage, slipped under the door. Mm. And it's a mock-up of a magazine cover heralding Brundle's telepod invention. Yeah. She tells him it's some personal bullshit that she has to go for a few hours. She has to scrape the residue of another life off of her shoes. At Monolith, she confronts Stathis. He's going to publish her story. It's a total bullshit power play to steal yeah. her thunder and to fuck with her relationship. Yeah, and he's like, just keep me involved as a, as a professional thing. Well, this, is, this thing. is where it is. Yeah. So he backs off after emotionally blackmailing her into not disappearing from his life. Yeah. You know, just keep me involved, just keep me updated, just keep me informed. And then, what about sex? Yeah, I'm not saying love or affection, just stress relieving sex. You and me. You're disgusting. As always. Yeah. Not mm. scum. Just physical, you know, physical pleasure together. Yeah. Yeah. No love. In yeah. the script, 
the scene is much more aggressive. Really? They yell at each other. There's heaps of dialogue that was cut out, that was cut out of this. I don't know if it was shot or not. I'm not sure. I did see a bunch of deleted scenes, um, but this was not something that what was in was the deleted What was deleted It's mostly just bits and pieces. There is an infamous deleted scene from this movie that I will talk about when we get to it. Ooh, okay. Yes. Back at the lab, uh, Brundle is running kind of loops in his head. Residue means her old boyfriend, doesn't it? Stathis Barnes is her old boyfriend. From the desk of Stathis Barnes. How about under the desk of Stathis Barnes? She's working for her old boyfriend. Now she runs out late at night to see him. What is this, the Ronnie game? Yeah, it's talking to the baboon, which is great. I love this. And like the From the desk of Stathis Borens. You can you can see how like he's just actually got a relationship with this monkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I didn't mean to kill your brother. But he didn't die in vain. I never meant to kill your brother, you know. <laughs> oh, that hurt me. Oh. That hurt me. In the script, there's there's more to that line. He says it was a, it was a mistake, manslaughter, but not homicide. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "Monkey's just like, hey, don't hurt me, man." <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "As the general said, there's nothing I'd ask you to do that I wouldn't do myself, boys." Hey, you're all right. I'm looking at you. I can tell you're okay. What are we waiting for? Let's do it. Love that. The baboon, through this whole scene, is swiping at a fly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was all about this. I was like, oh, here it is. Yeah. Yep. Here we are. I was wondering if, like, there was going to be a little thing of, like, the monkey grabbing it and throwing it in. <laughs> yeah. He's Fuck like, man. He's like, to the baboon, he's like, you're all right. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. So he- The pose he gets when he jumps in the pod. Yeah. Oh. So he teleports uh, himself. Was Terminator before this? <laughs> <laughs> the original yeah. is is yeah yeah. He definitely it was, it was, a, it was yeah. a Terminator teleportation yeah, pose. A little bit, yeah, yeah, a little cool. bit like a one knee down. Yeah, yeah. Wearing, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Mm. <laughs> you were gonna say naked wearing only a cock ring. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm in there. Yeah. <laughs> they do this great shot. The fly is on the glass door of the telepod, and you mm. can tell that it's on the outside. The camera pans away. The door closes. We go to a tiny port window and you can see that the fly is on the inside. Mm. Yeah. He teleports himself. There's so much tension in this scene. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He emerges from the other pod in a cloud of smoke like he's king of the weirdos. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. So yeah. he, he dead set has Tarzan vibes. Yeah. Nah. The, yeah. The baboon jumps into his arms again and he says, How you doing? Are you tell me. Am I different somehow? Is it live or is it Memorex? Memorex? Yeah. I need context on yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Memorex was a computer tape company that from the 1970s that later made audio media. Oh. That line is taken from a TV commercial they ran in the 1970s with, with the singer Ella Fitzgerald. If you'd like to hear Ella Fitzgerald's voice crystal clear... You'll record on new Memorex MRX3 cassette tape. It reproduces live sound with such crystal clear fidelity, you'll have to ask, is it Ella or is it MRX3? Is it live or is it Memorex? That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's for pretty good. Tapes. Yeah. 
So yeah. that's the context for, just, for just, that line. Just a little, uh, little cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do wish there was a little bit of the philosophy of like the disintegration and reintegration. reintegration. It's like, is it? Is it? You know, Theseus's ship. Is it the same thing? But they. It's smart to dodge it in this ninety movement, ninety minute movie. Well, yeah. they explore it. Very minimally, not, though. Yeah, it's yeah, also yeah. not what he's interested in. Yeah, I know. Like, ultimately, yeah. at the end of the day, he's like Cronenberg's not really interested in the science. Yeah. The science is a gateway to, for him to be able to tell the story he wants to tell. Very yeah. true. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, like yeah. getting into the weeds about how it actually works is like no, no. no. Yeah. We do. We get the monitor, the explanations on the monitor as the movie goes as the movie goes on. But true. that's like all you need. Yeah. Ronnie comes back to Brundles later at night. This is where I'm going to talk about cinematography. Mm. One technique that they use in this movie that is subtle but also fantastically simple visual storytelling. Mark Irvin, the DOP of the movie, talks about how before Seth transports himself, the movie is pretty brightly lit. Mm. The movie is fairly evenly lit, yeah. right? Yeah. It's only after he transports himself for the first time that they start playing with contrast between light and shadow. The space becomes moodier. They start using more blue light. They start having pools of light and dark. Yeah. Do they do the same with the, the shots? Because I feel like like everything before he transports himself is like kind of like your run in the mill run rom-com kind of shot and then there's like like long angles and like shot from yeah. behind things it's interesting you say romantic comedy because Cronenberg talks about this movie like it's a romantic comedy it is though yeah. it really He's, is it's like a romantic comedy yeah. that goes bad. which is why I hated <laughs> that review as well because there's there's a romantic comedy and it's so well fleshed out in amongst the beats of this horror like yeah. body horror yeah so Mark Ir- uh, Irwin is a name that popped up in tons of movies that I liked when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. When I first started taking notice of like credits and people's names, he's mm-hmm. a name that I would see all the time. So he shot every Cronenberg from the from the late 70s until this movie. Boss. He did The Blob, Fright Night Part 2, which we saw the trailer for yeah, last okay. week. Class of 1999, Robocop 2, Mad. which is a gorgeous looking movie, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh, Hectic. yeah. D2, The Mighty Ducks. Mad. Uh, it slaps. It does. Yeah. It slaps shots. It slaps like a knuckle puck. <laughs> Wes Craven's new nightmare Ooh. with with Wes Craven, obviously. Yeah. New nightmare. It's Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, right. Okay. Seven. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get there. Scream. <laughs> I did oh, my scream. God. The first one. He didn't do the sequels. And 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, oh wow. Another movie I love. And he's still working. He's more credits again, but well, yeah. I'm trying not to... Go past our ninety nine unless unless yeah. they've been in something more recently that I or done something more recently that I was into. Mostly he's been working on like comedies for nothing really like this. It's just, really just a working DOP. Yeah. yeah. She finds him in bed and wakes him up. He thinks it's like she missed the whole night, but it's actually just later in the same night. He yeah. tells her that he went through, that he was drunk and upset. He asks if she's sleeping with Sathis Borans. Uh, he got jealous. We find out that they had a thing when she was his student. And mm. he got her started in the publishing industry, but he's got nothing to worry about. He taped going yeah. through and she's like, oh, really? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Like, you're a really good bloke. Yeah. He kisses her and then they kind of start making out. She brushes her hand over the wound in his back that was made by the circuit board and now has some strange coarse hairs growing out of yeah. it. Yeah. Can, like, we just need to take a moment to address how glorious his mullet is. <laughs> it's not really a mullet. Is no. it not? It's no. not a mullet. It's a mullet. It's Short a in the front, long in the back. It's full head of hair, man. It's a full head of hair. It's true. Just a little long yeah, in the, true. Just a little long in the back. It's not yeah. a mullet. It's glorious, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Afterwards, uh, they're sleeping. There's a fly buzzing around the room, 
and Seth catches it with his eyes closed. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then opens it. Uh, what's weird is like while he's still him, he doesn't panic about any of the, the things that are happening. He's well, just curious. He's a yeah. scientist. Well, he, he gets up. Ronnie's still sleeping and wakes up later to find him jacked, looking yeah. jacked, doing a fucking calisthenics gym routine in a chair. Like the most hectic kind of fucking handstand shit in a wheelie chair. I wrote here, leave pause for Brody to objectify. Like, I don't want to say the word cum gutters, but like, that's that's what I was like. What? <laughs> I'm going to choke on my cookie. What? <laughs> oh my God. But I said it. Oh like, my god! We're, we're sorry for everyone who heard that. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's oh, such a fucking Rick and Morty fucking thing as well. Was it? It's from Rick and Morty. Is it? Yes, I they talk really about it all the time in Rick and Morty. Rick is jacked and's got them. <laughs> oh, I didn't really. What the fuck are gum gutters? It's like the the muscles that go down the side into the V. No. Why are they called that? Why do I've you never think? once heard that in my life. <laughs> I'm going to use it every day I love now. It because but it's a very visceral oh, term. I love it because it's like, but like, why is he it there? Is, like, what? Who's doing that there? Gutters. You are. <laughs> That's not where it Let's comes from, good. Brody. No, but do we need? Do we need I'm to not, have a biology I'm lesson? I'm not going to explain. I'm not going to explain. He's, a, he's a very sexy man in the scene, but what I can't get past is what I just mentioned. And you're not going to address that shit? You're not going to talk to each other about it? They just move on to the next scene. She's super into it. Yeah, like she oh, is. Yeah. He starts swinging on a pipe and spins all the way around, walking his feet on the roof oh, as that, he's going around. I love that. Yeah, that so was pretty good, impressive. Right? That was some Cirque mm. du Soleil shit. Cut yeah. Out is a scene where she interviews him on tape about how he feels. Ugh. And it ends with him that asking. That makes sense. Why wasn't that in? Well, it's just too much. Not needed. Right? You don't need yeah, it because, because you've got scenes that follow that do similar, do similar yeah, things. Yeah, true. So he talks about feeling like he's been taken apart and put back together. And the then purifying process. Not He doesn't no? quite go that far, okay. but he does like feel like it's improved him is what, yeah. basically what he says. It ends with him asking her if she wants to try it, and she says no. Mm. So they do that earlier as well. Mm. See, if I'm asked at that point to do it, I'm doing it. <laughs> this scene... Is used in the second movie ah. as a tape that his son is watching uh-huh. to find out about his father's research. Exactly the same as before, but I don't. I feel very energized, very uh, coordinated. I feel as though I work better physically. You know, everything seems to just uh, work better than it ever did before. Why should that be? I don't know. It's possible that the uh, teleporter somehow improved me. And reassembling me might have uh, seen where things could be improved theoretically, and it, uh, it did it. I told it to be creative, and I maybe it has been. Okay. So they took some archive footage from the first movie. They do it a couple of times and they use footage that was cut out. And uh, quite a lot of it is is her interviewing him. Right. Then they use it in the, in the second movie. Brundle 
buys her a necklace of a love heart. What does he whisper here? Market. Does he whisper, I love you, or I want you to marry me? I was trying to. I don't to know. I, can, I can find it. I can figure it out. Yeah. It, it's on the screenplay, whatever it is. Okay. At a coffee shop. So I asked the computer if it had improved me, and it said it didn't know what I was talking about, and that's made me think very carefully about what I've been feeling and why, and I'm beginning to think that the sheer process of being taken apart out of my atom and put back together again, why it's like coffee being put through a filter. It's somehow a purifying process. It's purified me. It's cleansed me. And I'll tell you, I think it's going to allow me to realize the personal potential I've been neglecting all these years that I've been uh, obsessively pursuing goal after goal. All the while dumping sugar into sugar after sugar into yeah. his coffee. The second part of his rant. You know, I just don't think I've ever given me a chance to be me. But, of course, interestingly, at the exact same moment that I uh, achieved what will probably prove to be my life's work, that's the moment when I started being the real me finally. So, uh, listen, and not to wax messianic, but uh, it may be true that the synchronicity of those two events might blur the resultant individual effect of either individual. But it is uh, uh, nevertheless also certainly true. I will say now, however uh, subjectively, that uh, human teleportation molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. It makes a man a king. From the moment I walked out of the pot, I felt like a million bucks. You know, I think I am going to have a, a cannoli after all. Waiter, I mean, what an accomplishment. But what have I really done, though? All I've done is say to the world, let's go, move, catch me if you can. Waiter, Jesus Christ. That's all Goldblum. That's on the, in the screen in the screenplay. God, he's good. So he had obviously, with the approval of Cronenberg, had yeah. decided that he needed, he wanted a little more in the scene for it yeah. to be able to keep going. So he kept ramping himself up. He starts banging on the table and yelling for the yelling for the waitress. I love that because he's yeah. the fly. He starts to get pushy, and he's like, time is running a little bit slower. Yeah. Mm. At the loft, uh, they've been fucking for hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this she <laughs> doesn't understand how he has any fluid left in his body. Yeah. It's great. It's all <laughs> fluid. She finds more coarse hairs on she finds the coarse hairs on his yeah. back. Snips them off. His face has started to look like he's got starting to develop acne. And she snips off the hairs while he starts inhaling ice cream. Yeah. Impulsively he grabs her and he's like, I want you to go through right now. I want you to feel like like I do. And, so, like, and then I won't be able to wear you out. Yeah. What I love about this is that because like there's so much thought put into this, which again, fuck that fucking review because <laughs> if she was okay, you can move on. The review can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> but if she wasn't in a toxic relationship before, this behavior wouldn't be acceptable and she wouldn't stick around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I do like, I love her line. Don't give me that born again teleportation rap. Yeah. Uh, oh, she yeah. protests and yells at him and he calls, he snaps, he calls her a fucking drag. Yeah. She already thinks that something went wrong when he went through and tells her that he'll find somebody else. He rants. No, not you. You're too chicken shit to be a member of the dynamic duo club. Okay, then great. I'll find somebody else. Somebody who can keep up with me. Seth, you have to listen to me. You're afraid to dive into the plasma pool, aren't you? You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? I bet you think that you woke me up about the flesh, don't you? But you only know society's straight line about the flesh. You can't penetrate beyond society's sick, grave fear of the flesh. Drink deep or taste not the plasma spring. See what I'm saying? I'm not just talking about sex and penetration. I'm talking about penetration beyond the veil of the flesh. A deep, penetrating dive into the plasma pool. And he leaves. I feel like that. It's poetry. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah. yeah, I feel like 
every person who has had a toxic relationship knows mm. this fucking rant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stalking the streets at night as Howard Shaw's music just fucking goes off. Like the score yeah. just rises here in a way where it's like, you know, bad shit's coming. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Goes into a dive bar and hits on a woman. What yeah. is with the dive bars in this era? They all look exactly the same. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah true. I'm going to talk yeah. specifically about this dive bar later. Yeah, I love the colors in this sequence. <laughs> yeah, too. so he yeah. goes in the dive bar. Oh, there's a woman, Tawny, watching two other men arm wrestle as he munches on a chocolate bar. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of chocolate bars. He has yeah. a few throughout. He challenges them to uh, beat them in arm wrestling for a hundred bucks and the girl if he wins. Yeah, wow. They're like, well, he's not going to win. It's an easy hundred bucks. Yeah. Why should I go with you? It's an easy hundred bucks, babe. Just let me do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I'm still stuck by your rule. He breaks the guy's arm and we see bones popping out of his skin. And she still goes with him. Well, he takes her and leaves. This dive bar was a place called Stoopies. It also was called Soupies at a different point. Soupies. There's legendary dive bar in Toronto. Cronenberg would use it again in 2005. Yes. He uses the exact same bar in a history of violence with Viggo oh, Mortensen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's great. So, um, unfortunately, the, the bar doesn't exist anymore. It's been mm. kind of amalgamated into a into a hotel, and so that yeah, space right. is now hotel rooms. Yeah. Are you a bodybuilder or something? Yeah, I build bodies. I take them apart and then put them back together again. How are you not running at this point? Because yeah. she's drunk. Yeah, true. She's drunk, and this true. guy's going to buy her drinks. They walk through downtown Toronto, uh, she wants to hit a few more bars before they get back to his place. And then in the morning, a taxi drops him back off at his loft. He's already looking rough. He yeah. pushes her up the stairs because she's a bit slow because it's so she's, many stairs and she's drunk. Yeah. And then he lifts her up and carries her running up. Them, yeah. Transports himself in front of her, comes out super haunt up. Yeah. <laughs> and then later, she wants to go out for breakfast, but he's like, no, it's your turn to go through. It'll make you feel sexy. Yeah, I already feel sexy. Yeah. He's not already not feeling great. He gets angry. He drags her like she's going to go in, telling her not to be afraid. Yeah. As I come around the corner of the doorway, Ronnie is standing there and she says, Be afraid. Be very afraid. Iconic line. Yeah. Which is where that phrase comes from. Is it? It is from, the tag, from this movie and from the poster of this movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's, one of the, it's one of those ones where it's just seminal. It's in everything now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. cultural memory. You'll never I get rid of it. I did not know yeah. that. And because the movie was a hit, right? Mm. It was on the poster. This movie becomes a hit. The phrase comes in, goes into the zeitgeist. Awesome. And then other other things use it, right, as a pop cultural reference. I bet you it was on a million sitcoms. I bet you there's a fucking, I bet you I can find a clip from a sitcom from this era where somebody says, be afraid, be very afraid, and there's a laugh track underneath <laughs> it. Be afraid, Will. Be very afraid. <laughs> yeah, yep, 100%. I will have already cut it in. It's already in Big Bang. <laughs> Big Bang, 100%. Tawny leaves. She got those weird hairs analyzed. Mm. It was inconclusive, but they're not human. Most likely. Most likely, insect, insect. hairs. He doesn't believe that anything's gone wrong. He thinks that she's jealous. Yeah. He shows her how not sick he is by punching holes in a wall <laughs> yeah. and then throwing her out of the loft and telling her not to come back. Which is weird because in the scene just before, he's like, his skin kind of hurts, hey? 
Well, yeah, she wants to. She um, wants to give him an alcohol rub. Yeah, which is weird. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> Super. Um, and he's like, he's obviously experiencing some type of discomfort as things are starting to shift and mm. change in, in him. And this scene where she leaves is just like that's heartbreaking. That's oh, where yeah. you can tell mm. she's switched. She's like, this is horrible. Yeah, but I love the parallel of mm. like. I'm going to fucking toxic relationships the whole time, but like, love the parallel of like the guy punching a hole in the wall and the woman leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, love it. And here we go. He checks out his face in the mirror, tries to shave some of his coarse hairs off because he's got them on his face as well. Mm. But it hurts. He's looking at his face in the mirror and biting a nail, and it comes off. Mm. He checks out his finger, squeezes it, and pus cuts start shooting yeah. out of it and hits the mirror. Just finger fountains. Oh, yeah. All of his other nails start doing the same things. He's just dripping pus from mm. his fingers, and it's like, oh, no. Yeah. Which is great. It's when he has his first kind of realisation that yeah. this may not be going the way I think it is. He runs checks on his computer terminal, basically kind of play, like playing back the first teleportation. With the his data gardening from the, gloves on. With his gardening <laughs> gloves on to protect his hands, which is such a wonderful touch. Yeah. He ruins the secreting and reveals that there was a secondary element in the pod, the fly. He types on the screen, what happened to fly? Computer responds, fusion. A simulation? Did Brundle absorb fly? Negative. Fusion of Brundle and fly at molecular genetic level. His eyes go wide. They just play a reaction shot of him, his eyes just going wide, which is amazing. In the script, this is described as, he is now very afraid. (laughs) So good. Four weeks later, (laughs) which is also fantastic. I love the fact that the movie doesn't like fuck around. It just jumps four weeks forward. We want to see the fucking full transformation. Let's not fuck around. We got 95 minutes. We're moving. Yeah. Brundle calls Veronica. Hello. Seth. Seth, I've been trying to reach you. Where are you? For the last four weeks, I've been afraid to see you. Now, I'm afraid not to. Where are you? Are you at home? Veronica, you don't know how right you were. I've gotten much, much worse. Please come to see me. Please come now. She goes to visit, and his loft is a mess. There's trash everywhere. It's accelerating. He has to use canes to walk and his face is starting to be deformed and his clothes are already splattered with a strange ooze. Ooze. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that they did this where he kind of is, he starts off afraid and then falls into his madness a little bit later. But I love how they said it's like a type of cancerous growth because, like, he's the mutation. Like, that's kind of what cancer is. Well, you know what I mean? What he tells her is that he tells her about the fly and he tells her that his teleporter turned her into a gene splicer. I'm a very good one. Now I'm not Seth Brundle anymore. I'm the offspring of Brundle and Housefly. God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Seth. You look so pretty. What happened? Oh, I think it's showing itself as a bizarre form of cancer. In general, cellular chaos and revolution. I'm uh, just gonna disintegrate. 
in a novel way, no doubt. And then I'll die. Cronenberg has also talked about the fact that this is essentially a cancer drama. Yeah. Like, it is both a romantic comedy and a cancer drama. Mm. And that's what I love about Cronenberg about and what I love about, like, genre filmmaking is that, is that really, at the end of the day, it functions the exact same way it's as a romantic a, comedy. But what's great about it, it functions is the exact same way as a cancer drama. And it's, it's not a and monster movie. Yes. You know what I mean? It's everything but a monster movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't accept that he's going to die, that there's going to be a, something they can do. In the script, he wants her to keep taping him and working on the book. He thinks it's important that what, whatever happens to him is documented, mm. which is something that is lost from basically from the from the rest of the movie, yeah. but does allow there to be videotaped interview sections yeah. that are then used in the, in the sequel. Right? Yeah. So yeah. he grabs a donut, mm-hmm. vomits, yeah. goo onto it, <laughs> Right and this was such a cold vomit. We weren't expecting it. Yeah, that's what's so good about it. Well, yeah. I knew it was coming, but yeah. And then out of nowhere, just vomits on it. And he's like, oh. He apologizes, disgusting. and then he starts <laughs> playing with his face, and his ear just falls off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so good. But I love that he doesn't realize that the vomit is disgusting to her as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, sorry, that's disgusting for yeah. you. Yeah. He's scared, and she hugs him as he oh. begs for help. Yeah. This was both horrifying, heartening, and I was like, I would not touch that man yeah no. fucking oath, no, no, right? thank you. well that's how stathis feels he's like do not mm. go back to him it could be contagious yeah <laughs> she's like you had to see him you had to see him I, mm. his line of dialogue i'm sure typhoid mary was a very nice person too when you saw her socially <laughs> he makes it amazing oh. he makes that's an amazing very, piece of writing he yeah. makes a very very dark joke in a, in a second as well and i was like for stathis to make Too that joke it's not okay <laughs> but like it's also kind of funny What's the joke? Where he goes, when down. you're dead, can I claim your body? Yeah. Oh, it's super uh, fucked well, up. Well, again, it's that thing where he's like, he's reasonable and then he's also just like fucking yeah. toxic as shit. Yeah. But it's super fucked up, but as a very dark joke, I'd laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> they argue, Stathis wants to see him, so he asks Veronica to tape Brundle and then to show him. She goes back and Brundle is crawling on the roof. Yeah. He's changed again. He crawls so good. down the wall to the floor. This it's is a fucking, fucking terrifying hang. Okay, how? How do they do this? Uh, he crawls, crawls from the floor to the... To I don't let, let Brody go first. So you think it's rotating? Um, no, actually, I was about to say it. I don't think it is. I, I thought it was just cuts and like they were you kind of him, shifting You see him transition from the roof to the wall yeah, to the Yeah, but floor. I thought it was just kind of like... It's one shot. Uh, they're not hiding any edits? Nope. All right. So that could be something rotating. I, no. think, I think it's wire work. Mm. Wire work? No. You, you were right the first time. It's a rotating room. Oh, it's a rotating Ah, oh. oh, okay. I, yeah. Sorry, I doubted myself then. Yeah. It's a rotating room. So everything's glued down. He's on the floor the whole time. Right. So, I, so the camera- do, do we see over the shoulder of her? Uh, no, I don't think we. Don't I think, think at the end of the shot we see over yeah. the shoulder of so her. So she's just probably uh, a dummy. That's clever. Right. She's probably seeing the back of a back of a dummy. Yeah. I have seen a version of this where they they had the an actor in the foreground and that actor is basically like strapped to the roof. <laughs> <laughs> so that actor is upside down. Yeah. With their hair glued down. Yeah. So that the hair Jesus doesn't go, go anywhere. So yeah. So <laughs> he's just great. on the floor the whole time, and then as he moves, they rotate the room. So then the the wall becomes the the floor and then the floor becomes the floor. See, in my mind, I'm like, it's not inception. Like they don't have money to fucking rotate a whole room. It's actually not that difficult. Yeah. Like, you, okay. you only just build, you build a set inside a, a, a structure and it's just weighted and you just, it's just an engineering problem. Yeah. True, true, true. There is another I'm movie. just surprised they did it this early, but I'm not. Yeah. Well, there's a movie that does it before this. Oh. 
there's another movie that does it before this, which is probably where they took the technique from. Yeah. And we will cover that movie and I will bring this back up. Okay, oh, man. you bastard. Set up and pay off. He's figured out what the disease wants. It's not actually turning him into a fly like it does in 1958 movie, but it's going to turn him into something new. I'm becoming Brundlefly. Don't you think that's worth a Nobel Prize or two? Brundlefly. Brundlefly. I love this. I love how, how fucking it? happy he is about yeah. all this shit. He sets up the camera so that she can record a demonstration that he wants to do for posterity. The rise and fall of Brundlefly, don't you? At the very least, it will make a fabulous children's book. What's perfect um, about... Sorry. I want a t-shirt with like a little children's Brundlefly. Uh, little, little children's book uh, thing where it's the rise and fall, fall of Brundlefly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want that to be a thing. She the, films him vomiting to dissolve yeah. solid food and drink it because that's how flies eat. Yeah. Um, the comedy and tragedy of this scene is fucking awesome. Yep. Yeah. So the heartbreak that she has watching him dissolve into this madness and how like we can kind of sense there's a sadness behind this madness. Well, there's, there's two there's two opposing contrasting shots. It's yeah. him where it's comedy. It's him just loving it and being he's like also just, this crazed person. But he's and then still it's her. Also, you can sense there's a sadness behind it where he's trying to cope. You he know? goes through all these different. He goes yeah. through like he goes through like similar shit when people have cancer. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's the ten stages of grief. Yeah. He's up and down all the yeah. all over the place. But also, don't you cry because then I'll cry, kind of thing. But also, always, 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 he is a scientist yeah. and he's fascinated by what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she's just like the just watching tragedy before in front of her eyes. It's like everything it's so horrible. Yeah, everything disintegrates except the scientist. That's what remains until the very end. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We cut to the playback because Stathis is watching it. Ronnie comes into the apartment, and runs straight to the bathroom. Yeah, he goes in to check on her. She's pregnant. I did not see this coming. Yeah, no. great. But like, I will say, the first time I saw them having sex after the transition, I was like. Oh, I hope she's not pregnant. But I didn't think it would go there. <laughs> didn't think it would go yeah. there. Yeah, yeah she, went there. She doesn't know what she wants to do. Now, in the movie, we cut straight to them going to the hospital, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But this originally is where that infamous scene that was cut out oh, goes. No. And I'm going to read the whole scene to you. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm terrified. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> Internal lab night. We're close on Brundle's fingers as they dance over the keys of a computer keyboard. Brundle has cut the fingers off a pair of yellow rubber kitchen gloves and jammed them down over his fingertips oh. so his fingers won't stick to the keyboard. Close-up monitor, which reads, Gene splicing program now in place. Telepod 1, transmitter pod subject A. Telepod 2, transmitter pod subject B. Telepod 3, receiver pod for genetically fused AB combination subject. We pull back to see that in front of Brundle and his keyboard stands not two but three telepods. The third one, the somewhat older, more hand-built vintage than the other two. In telepod A sits a monkey. In telepod B, an alley cat. Telepod C, the old prototype receiver, is empty. Brundle operates the machine. The monitor says, ready for fusion. Brundle presses the accept button. The telepods go through their normal disintegration routine as the animal outlines appear on the monitor in a split-screen fashion. But now, as the reintegration process begins, a stream of data concerning this new experiment, the fusion of monkey and cat, floods the screen. These numbers fluctuate as the machine tries to strike a molecular balance between these two creatures. Finally, an outline of a fused creature begins to form on the screen. Brundle looks up at the old third telepod to see the actual creature forming, and is indeed grotesque. Two heads, one monkey, one cat, at odd angles to each other, six legs which were not quite symmetrically placed on the monkey torso, 
with a cat's tail. This is what I would understand as, as the memification of Cronenberg. As the creature solidifies and the light goes off, it sits there in the telepod for a moment, stunned, half reeling as though it's crippled. Ronald gets up and goes to the third telepod and with great apprehension opens the door. The thing just sits there, slumped for a beat, then suddenly leaps at him, its two heads shrieking. It jumps on his arms, clinging, snarling, and then drops to the floor. The two heads begin to bite at each other. Blood begins to flow. The thing now running around in mad, floppy circles, smearing blood everywhere. Brundle is horrified. He grabs a metal rod leaning in a corner and begins to smash at the deformed thing. He keeps smashing it until it stops its hideous screeching and lies dead, mangled on the floor. Brundle wraps it in a towel, throws it into the refrigerator. Back on a monitor, the screen is flashing with the words, Fusion successful. Brundle puts his face on in his hands for a few moments, then pulls himself together. Brundle has now developed some insect-like tics and mannerisms, his head twitching with nervous little jerks, these long fingers in constant motion. The metallic green hair which completely covers his face is now much thicker than before. The hernia-like bulge in his side is more probiscent, now stretched to the bursting point and obviously causing him pain. Brundle looks up at the skylight. The sky is clear. On impulse, he jumps onto the wall, sticking there for a bit. Then with incredible agility, he ascends the wall, crossing the ceiling towards the skylight. Brundle glides on all fours, upside down towards the skylight. Once there, he crawls into it and out. Lab rooftop, night. Brundle clambers out to the skylight onto the roof. The night is gorgeous, clean and bright. The sky pocked with stars. Brundle breathes deeply. He is still alive, isn't he? He can still respond to the beauty of the night, can't he? Dissolve to... Exterior montage, Brundle's travels, night. We follow Brundle on his solitary sojourn into a montage sequence. Leaps from rooftop to rooftop, hangs upside down from ledges and lampposts, eavesdropping on the city life around him and below him, the inhabitants unaware of the unusual and shadowy observer in their midst. These moments should be poetic, even beautiful, joyous. The moon is luminous, the dark night exquisite. Resigned to his fate and momentarily forgetful of his future, Brundle seems to be reveling in his unique power. External building, night. Brundle leaps across a narrow alleyway to the wall of a building opposite him. He smiles with smug satisfaction at his feet and suddenly winces, grabbing his side with one of his hands. We hear a cracking, splitting sound. Brundle muffles a startled cry and, losing his balance, slides several feet down the wall before regaining hold. He looks down at the huge bulge in his side. It is starting to split open. He starts to quickly move down the side of the building, but the pain impedes his progress. He manages to get down at least another floor before he's hit with another sharp pain. He doubles up and his tenuous grip on the wall causes him to slide another several feet downward before he regains his grip. His side is gaping wide open now and something is starting to protrude. Brundle is in shock. Another ripple of pain causes him to release his grasp entirely. Then he falls to the ground in a dirty, narrow alleyway where he writhes on his back in pain. A strange, hairy, stick-like appendage, actually the beginning of his fly-like leg, begins to unfold awkwardly out of his side. Brundle watches with fixed, wide-eyed terror at his latest transformation. The insect leg now begins to probe around, function like a real leg, almost with a mind of its own. Grotesque as Brundle himself has become, he can't accept the next step of his real insectness with which this new leg represents. He screams at the leg, No, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Brundle grabs at the leg, holds it, subdues it, and then begins to gnaw with his teeth at its base twisting himself into an agonized ball in order to do it. The leg begins to lever at his back, small hook-like protrusions all along the underside catching in the flesh of Brundle's back, tearing at it, 
to protest against Brundle's Fuck. attempted amputation. Finally, Brundle has severed the leg with his teeth. The leg drops off, leaving a strand or two of stringy gristle hanging from a knobbly stump in Brundle's side. The leg twitches on the ground and tries to extend itself. Brundle looks at the leg in shock, his eyes crazed, like an animal who's been caught in a leg trap and had to gnaw off his own leg to be free. Brundle tries to steady himself, then staggers away down the alley. As he goes, he wipes insect blood from his lips with two forearms in exactly the same way that flies clean their faces. Oh, hectic! That was fucking awesome. Long. Long. Like four or five pages worth of stuff. So that's that's a missing scene. Those are missing scenes. Now, I'm not sure- Missing or deleted? Okay, that's what I'm going to talk about. Mm. I'm not sure if the roof stuff was ever shot. I'm not sure if the roof sequence right. and the the uh, the leg coming out of him was ever shot, but I do know that the cat monkey was. Oh, yeah, I imagine so. It was screened once at a test screening, and audiences turned so hard on Brundle after he beat it to death. Yeah, that they made the decision to move, remove it from the movie. Yeah. That makes sense. And as far as I know, it's not out in the world. You can't find yeah. that scene any scene anywhere. It's just notorious because of the script. But incredible, and also at a different budget level than yeah. this movie, yeah. right? And which is probably why the rooftop stuff was was would have been hard to film. Yeah, yeah, you do turn on him on that because like the scene before where he's like. Oh, the the disease had a purpose. The disease had a purpose, and he's like, he gets it now. It's it's to change me, and then to go to that where he's like, he's fucking beating this fucking creation to death, and then going on this adventure where he kind of loves what he's doing after he's just beat this fucking creation to death. You would turn on him totally. It's, it's, All sympathy for that look, character. If, goes. He, if he beat the creature to death, and then if that was placed maybe somewhere else in the film, and then followed by. A period where he wasn't and like was in horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and not Maybe like renewing himself. Better. We're going. I'm still here. I can enjoy myself. Mm. And then like he, because like when he's in that alley after fucking beating himself to death, and like he's chewing off his leg. You're like, yeah, fuck you. It also would have been a lot considering what we actually get in the movie because this mm. would have been the third scene in a row where something insane happens because yeah. Yeah. Stathis takes Ronnie to hospital for an abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I have an opinion about this. She's terrified. In the operating theater, the doctor who is taking the fetus out of her needs her to push. She does. There's a lot more in there than we thought. Mm-hmm. And what comes out is a baby-sized maggot mm. and oh. she wakes up screaming. In the script, Veronica's POV on expelled fetus. As the doctor lifts it out of the womb, perhaps there are some human features about the face, if indeed there is a face oh. at all, on the hideous, squirming, giant fly maggot. My opinion? <laughs> Cowards making this a dream. I like, nah. look, I know the it, sequel it, handles it. it. It deals with her fear. No, yeah. I get you know that. I mean? and, like, then, and then you get the scenes afterwards of her having to deal with it. In that moment, I was like, they're doing it. They're, oh my God, they're doing it. Yeah, which is... Which, <laughs> so you, what it does is it get you get to have that. Yeah, right? true. But then you also get them never resolving it. Yeah, which is yeah, also yeah. Also, fantastic. yeah, it works into yeah. the terror of it. The doctor in the scene between Gina Davis's legs. Yeah. David Cronenberg. Ah. Uh, nice. Doesn't normally make cameos, but he does occasionally do some acting, as we've talked about. Yeah. So at the loft, 
Brundle is working the problem. He's now his hands now are misshapen, so he has to type with one finger and use a pencil yeah. to type <laughs> with the other one on screen. Problem to refine genetic fusion program. Goal to decrease to a minimum the percentage of fly in Brundle fly. Solution the fusion by gene splicing of Brundle fly with one or more pure human beings and he oh. is fucking monstrous now yeah mm-hmm. so monstrous that his voice commands no longer work on the computer he chews on a pencil and his teeth start falling out mm. <laughs> he takes them to his bathroom cabinet with the other relics of his human life oh yeah his ear his fingertips what have you I fucking love this yeah. I love that like yeah the scientist still it, remains it, but nat- also that, like it yeah. kind of works into the comedy we oh, haven't yeah. spoken too much about the comedy but oh, there's it's, a funny, it's, it's definitely yeah. a funny movie it's understated yeah. comedy yeah there really yeah, is it's, it's it's very dark comedy yeah, yeah mm. but there is there's humour in the movie yeah and like these little silent moments where he's doing these things or like where he's being a fucking insane person in front mm. of the camera like there is a good beat of yeah. comedy worked in with this Ronnie comes in we get the feeling that more time has definitely passed yeah she's come to tell him something but she mm. trails off she just can't do it he also if she's ever heard of insect politics have you ever heard of insect politics mm. and she doesn't understand what he's saying this is this whole sequence is brilliant this monologue is incredible yeah yeah mm. insects don't have politics they're very brutal. No compassion. No compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to, uh, but oh, I'm afraid. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm saying... I'm saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it. But now the dream is over and the insect is awake. No, sir. I'm saying I'll hurt you if you stay. Yes. I'll hurt you if you stay. This gets me right mm. in my feelings yeah. place, deep in my the, black, black the, heart. Where it started with the insect, po- and it's like, have you ever heard of an insect politician? Or have you ever heard of insect politics? politics yeah. And Didn't it's know where so it was brilliant. Going. Yeah. yeah, but you start to like analyze it in your head as they start to talk. And it's like, oh, it's because they don't care and they will fucking indiscriminately hurt and reproduce however way they yep. fucking can. And the dread of like the realization in her starts like, when is she going to realize? When is he going to tell her? Mm-hmm. Starts to play with you mm-hmm. in, in this scene. It's like, is he going to lunch for her or is she going to get out? And it's after the te- just- The tension yes. from that. Yeah. yeah. And after just having the scene where him- 
doing the computer work and he's like, oh, I need a human, I need a human. And then she walks in and you're like, oh, what's he going to do? And he's like, yeah. oh, the, you can't stay here or it's going to be you. This movie feels, it feels dangerous, yes. right? Like you're worried. Like if you've not seen this movie before, you really feel like, you saw a baboon get turned inside out. Yeah. You feel like he can absolutely, this movie could totally end with him merging with Gina. A hundred percent. I fully did not know what was going to happen in the end of this yeah. movie. No, no, yeah. no, it, must be, it must be thrilling. To, it was I, great. It was I, so good. I don't get to and experience I was like, that anymore. I was like, is this going to be a Tromeo and Juliet <laughs> fucking like, they're happy in the what end because they're together? Yonder, what light at yonder telepod breaks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she leaves crying and Stathis is out outside waiting for her and she wants an abortion right now. Yeah. He doesn't know if he can arrange it right now tonight and thinks that she should wait until she fucking calms down mm. and she doesn't want it in her body. Brundle watches from the rooftops. Again, Howard Shaw's work here is incredible. Mm. Yeah. But just making, again, it's it's just a it's a movie that is just people talking in rooms and yeah, there's a lot of like special effects makeup, but he makes it feel epic. And the special effects makeup, we said they got an Oscar for it, but yeah, like, they got an Oscar. we have not said how fucking oh, it's amazing it's incredible. it is. There's so yeah. many different stages to it. And there's and moving parts to it. Yeah. And it breaks apart in different parts. Oh, it's just so yeah. good. As it turns out, Stasis does know a guy. I mean, the head editor of a magazine, especially Science One, probably would know. He a knows how to get, yeah. Well, no, he knows how to get a woman abortion. Oh, midnight. yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He knows a guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a guy that can help you out. They I love her motivation. You, you do this. Yeah. They explain to the doctor that they have a strong fear that the baby will be deformed. Mm. And it's the child of a man who's been deformed. They yeah. ask if the doctor asks if it's Stathis child and, and it's not. She's adamant. She wants an abortion, abortion and she'll do it herself if she has to. Yeah. In the operating room, a nurse... Hold on. I, yep. I just love her yeah, motivation sure. where he's like, there's tests we can do. And she's like, no test. I don't give a fuck because it can be born human and then change. Because yes. she's been traumatized by this fucking beautiful this love of her life man that she found that yeah. was perfect. And then that transformed into this monster. It was so good. Correct. In... Uh, <laughs> Calm down. In Gold Star. Never. I will never calm down about anything. In a operating surgery room, a nurse leaves her so she, that she can get changed and Brundle bursts through a glass brick window, scoops her up and then lopes out into the night like a B-movie monster in the yeah. night. Oh, yeah. I was we, like, we, this we is we like get... Beauty and the Beast King Kong kind of uh, shit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, really, it really is, yeah. Stathis comes in and watches in horror. Uh, I love the this little moment he cuts his hand on the broken on the broken bricks. I For a moment, I was like, is he going to get infected? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just wanted everything to go downhill. Yeah. And it does. On a rooftop, <laughs> he doesn't want her to kill the baby. Why did you want to kill Prendel? The baby might be all that's left of the real me. Please don't kill me. Yeah. He's having trouble talking at this point. The fly like ticks and stuff mm. where like he twitches and things. Stathis goes to the loft with a shotgun in a case. He did not come to fuck around. No, hey. He builds it and loads it. Well, he's seen him. This Why is the does, first time he's yeah. seen him. Yeah. Right. He saw him scoop up and also saw him scoop her up and run away. Like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know what, 
Brundle's intentions are in, 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 yeah, at all. True. What is with the trope of this period of time and putting a gun together in a case? Yeah, in a case. I love that shit. <laughs> because it's how you story. <laughs> I know, but like I, he I, lives in this. Let's just imagine that Stathis yeah. does a little hunting on the side, a little quail <laughs> yeah. hunting on he, the he side. He goes off and yeah. kills some goes lions. Off and kills some lions on, <laughs> on, on and, and, and maybe right? the most dangerous animal. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Brundlefly. What are the other two things that are in the case besides the gun? It's just a gun. It's just a gun. No, there's like bottles of shit. I thought it was a tranquilizer. It might be like a tranquilizer. You're right. There is something else in there. Yeah, but he builds a a double barrel shotgun. Yeah. It looks like an old west. Yeah, like a rifle shotgun where the barrels are on top of each other. Yeah, Yeah. anyway. An elephant gun. Yeah. Maybe he does shoot shoot elephants. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's a guy who collects ivory. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He goes to the computer monitor and he sees Brundle's plan for the three pods. Oh. Brundle jumps in, falls down from the ceiling. Mm. And vomits on his oh, hands, dissolving so it to good. <laughs> So good, because we get the whole chat about how he spews up acid before when it's like, hey, kids, this is how I eat. And then immediately <laughs> it's like, I'm going to eat your hand. So in the script, Brundle's face opens up to reveal a fly mall. Yes. Which they couldn't do in this movie. Probably too hard, yeah. Chris Wallace does it in the second in the second yes. movie. Oh, nice. So he took that idea from the script and then figured out in those three years how to how to do it for his, yes. for his movie. He does the same thing to Stathis's ankle and then kind of pulls off <laughs> Stathis's foot. Yeah, he does. He fucks his dude he fucks him up. up. He's going to melt his face when Ronnie calls out for him to stop. She's up at the skylight. He goes up and gets her. And then he asks her for, for help to be a human and explains. I go there. And uh, you go there. We come apart. And then we come together there. You, me, and the baby. Together. We'll be the ultimate family. A family of three joined together in one body. More human than I am alone. No. 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 Yeah. (laughs) It's so good because, like, he's lost the concept of being human. He just wants to be more 100. He wants to have 100% human in him now. You know what I mean? He's freaking out. Yeah. He starts the fusion sequence. Yeah. She's horrified, tries to pull away and rips the whole bottom half of his jaw off. Oh, this. I was like, oh. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I've spoken before about bottom of jaws being broken or coming off. I (laughs) fucking really appreciate it. But when his knee bends back, is that from a kick or does it just break back? It just breaks back, yeah. So he starts to fall apart and split open as fly parts emerge from his flesh. The head split is like fucking amazing. All of the split, this whole fucking transformation. Yeah. where it just it's breaks a, out a, is incredible. It's incredible. The creature work is 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 amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking beautiful. The way it's also the way that Cronenberg shoots it. Like he just and shoots hideous. it so well, yeah. so well. It's and all in pieces. Human eyes. And I human eyes. Yeah. What I will say about the sequel is that when there is eventually a fly similar fly mo- fly monster, mm. we see too much of it. Yeah, it actually looks a little goofy in the second movie. Yeah, which made me appreciate how Cronenberg shoots it here because he does a much better job of hiding the fact that this is just a fucking puppet, right? Yeah. It's just, and it's not even a complete puppet. It's bits and pieces of a puppet. Yeah. What I love is that they didn't do the compound eye. 
Mm. Because when you have the compound eye, you don't get the like it's looking around the room and like yeah. it's thinking. You well, just you, get you a don't, blank, you know, it's which thing, is scary it, as well. The yeah. Sharks have the blank eyes and that's scary, but right? But that's not what this is. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's still like you're looking at it and you're like there's a touch of humanity in exactly, there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And you see, the, see that at the end, which we will get to. Yeah. Yes. It tosses Ronnie into the pod, the door locks. Stathis reaches for the shotgun with his good hand. On screen, <laughs> Take my good hand, chap. On a screen, a countdown begins, <laughs> 90 seconds. Brittle gets in the other pod. Stathis stands himself up with the gun, leans against the wall, and shoots the cables linking Ronnie's pod to the other pods. Thank you. Sparks fly. Brundle, in anger, seeing what is what... Brundlefly in anger, seeing what Stathis has done, smash, starts smashing the glass of his pod and goes for Stathis, but is halfway out when the teleportation starts. Brundle and a third, about a third of the pod disappear. My thoughts were, we're about to get a metal fly. Run! <laughs> Ronnie, <laughs> fly. Ronnie is still in her and she's okay. Stathis gets her out. On screen, we're told that the fusion of Brundlefly and the telepod was successful. Mm. Door opens to the third pod and out falls Brundlefly pod. <laughs> With a pod half in him. Yeah. It crawls in pain to Ronnie, who picks up the shotgun, and she's devastated. Her performance here is just oh, incredible. Yeah. It's, just it's heartbreaking. She's, she picks it up in panic because she thinks it's coming for them, and then it, like, starts crawling and she yeah. breaks down. So she cries. Dro- she lowers the shotgun. Yeah. And then... Brundle Flypod uses its pincer, its fly pincer, to lift the barrel of the shotgun to its head, indicating what it yeah. what it wants. And like, what's fucked up is this grotesque, terrible monster that you're seeing. Like, you actually feel the heart break for this age, and yeah. it's horrible. It's so yeah. good. It's so horrible and good. She cries and then does what she needs to do, blasting its and head. And her off. crying is. Fucking real. Oh, yeah. And it's then, like spit from the mouth kind of crying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's ugly, so cool. She's ugly crying. And yeah. then we, we fade to black as she falls to her to her knees. Oh. And that is the fly. Yeah. Whew. The script has a different ending. Oh, really? Cronenberg, full Cronenberg. It expands on the ending. This scene is in it, and then there's two more scenes. Okay. Okay. I will now read you those scenes. <laughs> Internal, Sathis's bedroom, night. Veronica is murmuring in her sleep. She's in bed. Stathis is beside her, caressing her. He has an artificial rubber left hand, which looks quite real at first glance. (laughs) Their bedroom is very stylish and sumptuous. Stathis. It's okay, darling. I'm here. Everything is okay. Veronica sits up. She is somehow disturbed. Maybe it's only because she's still half in her dream. She looks down at her stomach. It's big. She is very pregnant. Veronica. It was that dream again. Brundle. Brundle's baby was being born. Stathis. This baby is mine, remember? Yours and mine. The most horrible thing that can happen is that it'll look more like you than me. Veronica lies back dreamily. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm awake now, it's okay. Stathis smiles and kisses her. Despite what she says, Veronica is still disorientated, unsettled. She begins to sink back into her dream. Internal, Veronica's dream, day. Veronica dreams about a gorgeous chrysalis, a butterfly's cocoon which resembles that of a monarch butterfly. Chrysalis, a translucent jade green, hangs from a leaf in a brightly lit surreal landscape. The chrysalis begins to twist and turn as something inside it struggles to be born. Finally, a beautiful human baby with gossamer insect wings emerges. The baby clings to the chrysalis for a few moments, fanning its wings slowly until they dry. Then the baby takes off in flight and disappears, leaving the burst and shriveled chrysalis behind. 
internal Stathis's bedroom night. In her sleep, Veronica is now smiling serenely. The end. Wild. Yeah, different ending. Very mm, different ending. Yeah. It adds to like a scary madness that might be setting in it's on her. Also just completely unachievable to no. do that effect in 1986, <laughs> yeah. which is why they didn't do it, right? True. I think ultimately the ending is like perfect. I don't think yeah. we need it, but it is fascinating that that's where Cronenberg goes next with this idea. Yeah, I mean, that's where we naturally all want to go. We want to know what happens. But I love baby. that it's re- not resolved. Self-contained I, is so good. I don't want this resolved, and I feel like that that scene reverses some of the tragedy tragedy it, there is no, kind of not, like not just tragedy but mm. also character work that's done between mm. the horror of a, of the abu- abusive boyfriend of Stathis mm-hmm. versus the yes. versus the great relationship with Brundle mm. and then that switches at the end yeah. even th- even though even though we all hate Stathis he's the hero at the end yeah yeah, yeah. Like, I, hate I mean, kind of. Yeah, because he, he softens. He's still a dick, but he softens to her. Yeah, yeah. which is one of the things that you mentioned. Yeah, you're but right. It is. It is that switch of character, mm. which I think. I mean, that, lessons that could fu- have been that, learned. F- that fucks with then because, he, could ma- have been because he makes that joke of it would look more like you than me. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck you, man. Again. Yeah, mm. but I don't want that because I want, I want that switch of character. I, want I wanted that. him to die in that scene. Yeah, like he he didn't deserve a redemption. That's for sure. In, in which scene? Stathis. In, in the end fight. I, he didn't, Stathis didn't deserve a redemption. He's the only person from this movie that's in the circle. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's at the beginning and he has a scene later on the movie, but he Besides doesn't. Besides the, the clips. Oh, the clips. Yeah. The clips don't really count. Yeah. Like new acting. Yeah. yeah. Just new acting in that. Yeah. Uh, he's an alcoholic that lives in a big country house. Oh, yeah, nice. Makes so sense. Why I'm like that he probably helps quail. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We need to step away from the fly for a second, and then we'll come back and we'll come back to it. Okay. We need to talk about the trailers after the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. So Filmed on location is Lion of Africa. Filmed on location in the beautiful country of Kenya comes a new motion picture called The Lion of Africa. In the film, Brooke Adams is a doctor who desperately needs to get medicine to save a dying village. Brian Dennehy is the owner of an old battered truck. He's named the Lion of Africa, and he'll take anybody, any place for the right price. Well, almost anybody. I'll be at Lieutenant Higgins this evening if you change your mind. Change my mind? Change my mind? You're not listening to me, lady! Oh, Sam's the guy who's uh, somehow wound up in Africa and is driving a truck for a living and uh, gets involved in this crazy adventure with uh, this crazy American doctor. I know Brian Dennehy from something. What do I know him from? He's in lots of stuff. He's in Romeo plus Juliet. He's one of the Capulets in, in Romeo That's plus what Juliet. it is. Yep. Yeah. But he's yeah. an actor that he's a character actor that shows up in lots of stuff. He's in a very amazing movie with Brian Brown called FX that we will cover on the We've pod. Talked We've talked about that one. Trailer, yeah. trailer for before. Weird explainy voiceover that also yeah. had behind the scenes interviews with the actors talking yeah. about the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was super weird. Weird trailer. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Francis Ford Coppola's Gardens of Stone. 
TriStar Pictures presents a film from Francis Coppola, James Caan, Angelica Houston, James Earl Jones, Mary Stuart Masterson. The story of the other side of war, the war at home. Gardens of Stone. Caan! James Caan. <laughs> Angelica Houston, James Earl Jones. <laughs> That was a I always get excited when I see him. <laughs> James L. Jones. This is one of Coppola's like forgotten movies from yeah? his I Just Need a Job phase. Okay. <laughs> this is right. It didn't seem like his level of work, but it seemed good. He's made way more movies than you think he has. Mm. Okay. That you have never heard of because he needed to be a working man because he made a fortune and lost a fortune. Oh. More times than you know. I did not know that. Yeah. I don't think he was good with money. He was not. Very much. He started a film studio right. with his mates that, that bankrupted him. Okay. What, right. what movie bankrupted him on that film studio? Oh, there was, was a couple. There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of movies. What was yeah. it called? Weren't successful. Uh, Zerotrobe Pictures. He Never heard of it. Yeah, anyway. Zerotrobe. That's because they he went bankrupt. To do, he <laughs> wanted to do, he wanted to be able to, Coppola's a hippie, right? Coppola oh, came out of- really? Yeah, he came out of cult, counterculture movement, right? So he wanted- all his mates, George Lucas included, yeah. to move to Northern California, to yeah. Marin County, which is where ILM ended up actually going. Basically start a film commune Fuck studio yeah. situation and it didn't work out. I mean, we want to do that. Yeah, it didn't work <laughs> out. Anyway, he made this movie right after his son Giancarlo was killed in a boat accident. <sighs> Due to the negligence of another actor, Griffin O'Neill, who no, is Oggy in the race. No. We saw him, that actor in the race. O'Neill yeah. was cast in this movie. Ugh. And then was obviously replaced after Giancarlo's death. No. But, so this is not in a good I think phase I've of, heard of, about this actually. We talked about yes, it on the race podcast. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Hangman? It's not some company operation. Lots of gun cam, which yeah. I only thought was like a Doom thing. No. When they made Doom? Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Um, about a Secret Service agent that tries to get his son back from rogue CIA agents who want information out of him. This movie is the screen debut of Sandra Bullock. Shut up. Really? <laughs> America's sweetheart? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Reese Witherspoon? <laughs> I think they both are. Okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of American <laughs> sweethearts. Yeah. It looked like a low budget action movie. It looked like a low Looked like some fun stunts. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what I mean. Like yeah. the movies back then, low budget action movies would have like gnarly shit in them. There right? was like in the movie might watches. be the movie might be garbage, but it might have like a five minute sequence where a dude like explodes and you're like, holy shit, they really blew up that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that man is dead. Jeff Bridges and <laughs> yes. your early man Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Bridges fucking yeah. my hero. And Uncle Jeff. Yeah. You say early Jeff Bridges. This is 1986. He's been acting since the 70s. No, but he looks like a baby. He's 10 years into no, his No, I said my hero. No, he I said, said early oh, Jeff Bridges. Right. I'm like, it's not early. Man's established. He's it just is, been acting for so long. He looks like a baby, yeah. He is so good looking. He is, yes. He is just like the face. But not conventional good looking. Yeah, he's just a man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and Kim Bassinger in Nadine. When you see the keys, that car in my hand, you'll see 
my name on those divorce papers and not until. Now, you got that slick? Nadine, it's me, Vernon. Remember? Your almost ex-husband. A funny thing happened to Nadine and Vernon on the way to their divorce. Dead. You mean dead, dead? I'm real sorry about this. Well, sir, I must have got in the wrong place by mistake. Honey, don't do that. According to the internet, 1950s Texas, a woman trying to recover sexy photos of herself and divorce her husband witnesses a murder that uncovers corrupt land dealings. It looks kind of fun. It looks heaps of fun. That, the, that sounds like a lot to try and It sounds like a lot in. of movies. Good cast, man. The sleazy photographer is played by Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's dad. Yeah, I love that man. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Is a, he still alive? You know, no. no, he passed away. You I know him so. from Seinfeld, yeah. right? Because he plays I mean, in a bunch of big and a bunch parts of around. He's also in some Zoolander bunches. And, yeah, right. Yeah. But he had been an actor since the 1960s. Yeah. He shows up in lots of old movies, right? So every so often, I'm watching an older movie, yeah. and then there's, there's, there's Ben and still as dad. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I literally watched Taking a Pelham 123 the yeah. other, the other he's week. He's in that? And he's in that. What the is original movie. The original Oh, movie. the original. Not the fucking Tony Scott uh, remake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm younger than you. Forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> the, original, the original movie is a masterpiece. It works yeah. like clockwork. It's probably doesn't not appropriate for the podcast, but it is a movie I saw when I was a kid that I loved. Okay. Raising Arizona. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower, you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But <laughs> biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby hive. I got more than you handle. At the time, his little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems and the answer to all our prayers. Yeah. I forgot how fucking much I love this movie just visually. Really? Yeah. You know this movie. Yes, I, I do. I, I don't remember any of the plot. Right. I mean, the trailer gave me the whole plot. Yeah. But I've definitely seen this movie and I forgot how much I look at uh, fucking the second Coppola of this trailer run. True. And going... Yeah, he's a beautiful man. Okay, I haven't watched just, this, but it's on my list. So it's the second Coen Brothers movie. Mm. So their first movie is Blood with um. Blood so Simple. Nick Cage and Holly Hunter. Their first movie is a serious movie, Blood Simple, and then their of second movie is, is a, a Coen Brothers, Coen Brothers movie. cartoon movie. I talked about this on the Evil Dead podcast, which neither of you two fuckers were on. But tons of camera movement in this movie mm -hmm. is straight out of Sam Raimi's playbook. Oh, 100%, the zoom into yeah. the woman. Oh, okay. It's all Sam Raimi. It's all Sam Raimi stuff. Of course. And yeah, this it's, is... a, it's a hard shift for them towards wacky cartoon before. Yeah. I only saw this for the first time a couple of years ago. Oh, it's great! Hey, it was a miss. Really? Yeah. No, it's a. It's it's. Wasn't my. Th I didn't like it. It's not their greatest, but I love it. There's there's two types of Coen Brothers. Yeah, yes. there is yeah. wacky, there is. cartoonish. Well, no, some of it. They, they refine it. Yeah. So I have massive respect for Coens. I'll watch anything that they make, mm. but they are hit and miss for me. Mm. Meaning that. The movies that hit hit for me of theirs are my favorite movies of all time. Really, and the movies that miss, I just do not like. Do the not one, like. Yeah, same yeah. ones that hit are my favorite of all time. The ones that don't, I'm like, yeah, there's great parts to but that you movie. Can, the thing yeah. is, in the early stuff, you can see 
their development, where they're heading, how they refine it, and how they oh yeah, totally. how they put in the serious and the cartoonish yep. yeah. into one. And when they do that well, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. What's yeah. her name? The female lead in this it's Holly movie? Hunter. Holly yeah. Hunter. I swear she's in every single one of their she's movies, in, right? She's in quite a lot of their movies. You're confusing her with Frances McDormand. Am I? Yeah, because yeah. they have very similar type. They do look. I think I know who I'm yeah, confusing yeah, with. Yeah. But Holly Hunter is in quite a few Coen Brothers movies. Okay, but okay. Francis McDormand is also in a lot of Coen Brothers movies. She's married to one of them, and I can never remember which one. Okay, okay. Because okay. I never can tell the difference between them. Yeah. yeah. The boss's wife. Why don't you stand up and tell us who you are? Joel Kiefer. <laughs> Joel Kiefer is out to win the job of his life if he can stay in the running and stay away from. The boss's wife. Daniel Stone in a business comedy that looked pretty dull. Is this yeah. the fucking Home Alone dude? Yeah, it is Daniel Stone from Hectic. Home Alone. He's one of the wet um, bandits. Another Predator trailer just for fun. Yep. Pred again. And we're not done yet. Finally, Circle Man. Real Marcus wanted to be a champion. You're nothing. I ain't got nothing else. You can't keep kicking around the circle. That's what I do, well. Also known as Last Man Standing. This has the toy maker in it. Vernon, Vernon Wells from Commando. Mm. He's the bad guy in Commando as cage as a cage fighter. And William Sanderson from Blade Runner. Yeah. And Deadwood, where he plays E.B. Farnham, owner of the Grand Central Hotel. So good. I need to watch that fucking show, man. You do. I love Westerns. I love it. Yeah. You, you really do. Vernon Wells is an Aussie. Oh, he's in Mad Max Two. He's one of the secondary villains in Mad Max. In Mad Max Two, he's got a mohawk. You will not recognize him okay. whatsoever. Yeah, he's in say. Joe it Dante's. Gets, does he get killed early on in that one? No, he's no, he's um no, he's in it through through quite a bit of it. Yep. he's in Joe Dante's Inner Space. He plays a bad guy in that movie. He's in Weird Science. He's in a movie called Fortress with Christoph Lambert. I feel like I've seen in, that one. There was shot in Queensland that is on the list. Mm. So well, yeah. maybe we've spoken about um, it. And I'd never heard of this movie. And eh, look, eh, whatever. Circle but, man. Yeah, I, th- I, thought like, I thought it'd be all, uh, in in your space, man. Like it looked like one I'd watch when I was going fighting. through my Jean Claude Van Damme phase. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what kind of. Movie, it would have yeah. been better for Jean Claude Van Damme. It didn't look. It didn't look, it didn't look terrible. It didn't yeah. look terrible. I just you know I have a lot of things on things on my list. <laughs> <laughs> He's a busy man. Even though you managed to watch every single movie else that's ever been made. Shut up. <laughs> I won't tell the Circle Man. Circling back to the fly, <laughs> the circling man, an appropriate age to have seen the fly. Oh. Fuck. It's got to be a little older, I think. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm going to say like 16. I reckon if you're over, I think 13's in the pocket. 11 to 14, it's that sweet pocket where it's like, I don't really know what I'm watching, but I can't look away. And I'm really innocent and like, this is kind of fascinating. That's the trauma pocket. Yeah. But like the good trauma pocket (laughs) where you're learning (laughs) things because of that trauma. (laughs) If we figure out my trauma pocket... From The Fly 2, which yeah. I definitely remember having seen, mm. which came out about three years later, I must have seen The Fly before that. Yeah. So I must have been somewhere between five and seven oh. when I saw this movie for the it first time. It would be time. very confronting oh, for yeah. a five to seven year old. See, I was five or seven when I was at my granddad's place. We're watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm. and I was about the same age. And I still remember the nightmares I had. Mm. I still remember the paranoia as a kid about going to fucking sleep 
Because in that movie, if you go to sleep, you could be made a fucking body snatcher. You could be made a pod. I never the, made a pod. Well, who are the pods and who are the people? Yeah. Your pod? I'm pod. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I probably will soon. I did not realise how much I actually was going to like this movie. That's real nice. I'm yeah. Very, very, very happy. I thought I was going to respect it, but I fucking enjoyed it, mm-hmm. hey. I want to hey. say, say thank you for putting this on the list. Yeah. Oh, you're, very, you're very welcome. Yeah, it was a good choice. Mm-hmm. A rating for The Fly. We rate movies on a five-star scale, with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie, two and a half being I liked parts of this movie, it was fine, three being I like this movie, four being I love this movie, and five being this is one of my favourite movies of all time. I am torn between a four and a five, so I'm going to have to go a 4.5 because it's like, it is not my genre at all. It is so far outside of my wheelhouse normally of movies that I enjoy, but it's like almost a love. You know, it's almost the greatest, it's almost the greatest of all time movie for me. I think. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm vibing exactly what Brody yeah. is about. I, I, I don't say that this is out of my genre wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I do, I do love this sort of stuff. I can't say I, this is one of my favorite movies of all time because that uh, just like Kean is 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 left for a lot of nostalgia stuff as well. You know, mm. it, lo- love comes from childhood. Yeah, we're all yeah, jaded yeah, yeah. Uh, adults now. We're we're not innocent anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been jaded since I was eight years old. But whatever. <laughs> That's because of your trauma pocket. No, it's because of the swamp, the witch in the swamp. But I can't. Talk about <laughs> That's where his heart is. <laughs> but I loved watching this movie. I'm yeah. really glad that... Yeah, I had a great time. It is 4.5 for Adam. 4.5. Yes. Slash Kira. Slash Kira. Kira. Had actually done that. Right. Oh, yeah, by the way, Adam is played by Kira. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that bit doesn't really roll anymore. Format broken. <laughs> anyway. I love Brendan Lee. <laughs> I love Brendan Lee. <laughs> Brendan Lee's great in this. Brendan Lee's fighting skills are way better than everybody else's. I love Brandon Lee movies. I'm very curious about how you guys would take this movie because of the whole uh, having only accessed it through satire of it, right? This movie requires a suspension of disbelief in order for you to buy Goldblum in that amount of makeup. And if you don't make that leap, there is the chance that this movie looks pretty silly. Because when you watch it a second time, you will be maybe less in it as you are the first time experiencing it, right? And that makeup can look silly if you don't buy it, right? But I think the silliness adds to it. Uh, no, I mean like fake and stupid, right? Oh, like sure, a, sure, sure, a, sure, sure. So, but I don't, not, and I'm not saying that the movie is in any way, but I'm saying that if you, uh, sometimes when you come through things through a knowledge, uh, like a previous knowledge yeah. that is not based on the original thing, you bring that perspective through and you go, well, this is kind of silly, isn't yeah. it? Like he's just in a bunch of fucking makeup, stupid makeup, right? Sure. So, and so I am happy that you were both able to take that leap and, mm. not, and not do that. For me, I love this movie structurally and I love how much time it takes for you to make you love Brundle and Veronica together before That's shit goes really sideways. True. Obviously it puts in the groundwork, hey. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's only thirty minutes. Like yeah. it's not like, a long time period of time, but it does enough work does enough work, even though it does happen really quickly. Yeah. The pacing is great. Yeah. Yeah. The effects work is obviously outstanding. We've talked yeah. about we've talked about that a lot. But the thing I love most of, about it, and it's the thing I love about all of Cronenberg's movies, is that beyond the very adult themes and the fact that they exist in kind of a moral gray area that combines love, sex, pain, violence, death, yeah. and the messiness of physical reality, the flesh, in a way that is often morally questionable, Cronenberg as a director makes zero judgments about his characters. Yeah. 
and how far they are willing to go to explore their humanity, even if it makes them less human. Well said. Yeah, I've thought about this movie a lot. I think about this movie a lot. They just are the way they are. We're never told by the movie how to feel about anybody. That's We're never true. told by the movie how to feel about Seth's choices. It's completely up to us. Just no one goosebumps. That's makes, crazy. Nobody makes movies that are so clearly about exploring their personal brain, sex, body connection mm. as Cronenberg without adding in that judgment. Which yeah. works so well for such a scientific character yes. that we're looking at. Yes. Cronenberg's movies. Here's the thing. This is one of the most fucking straightforward of his movies. Yeah, wow. Right? It's his studio picture, which, again, he convinced, they convinced a fucking studio to make this movie. Yeah. It's, in, it's, in, it's insane. I left out something that or at the beginning in the box office because I wanted to talk about it here. I just It's just more perspective, right? This movie was such a fucking hint that it was the 23rd biggest movie of 1986. Wow. Including all those other movies yeah, that we Yeah, all those we, other fucking mentioned. bangers that are more mainstream. It yeah. made more money than Rocky Five. Wow. Wow. Nuts. I mean, but it- wow. How insane is that? Yeah. It's an one original, of those movies an original, that original, the zeitgeist. It's an original body horror, body, horror, body horror movie yeah. that beat a fucking franchise picture. Wow, yeah. 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 Which is not possible now. <laughs> I'm really curious to watch more Cronenberg. By the way- yeah. Five stars. Five yeah. stars. Totally get it. I thought it was yeah. pretty clear. Pretty 100%. Totally <laughs> it deserves five stars. This 100%, is not the only, for me. This yeah. is not the only five-star Cronenberg movie we will watch. Yeah, me. I bet. Yeah. Fucking bet. Yep. <laughs> Next week, the way that we pick movies is that my co-hosts alternate taking turns, picking from three choices that I have prepared. This week is Brody's pick. Yeah! If the movie remains unpicked. <laughs> He's not excited, uh, if you can tell. It's such a highlight of my week. <laughs> If a movie remains unpicked for three times, it's struck out and taken off the list, although I can bring it back and lay dead on my choosing. Still on the list, Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD with two strikes. Oh, yeah, boy. His name is Sergeant Harry Griswold. He's an undercover cop who takes his job seriously. Crime is at an all-time high. And to make matters worse, an ancient prophecy has unleashed an unbelievable evil spirit. And Griswold is caught in the middle of the crossfire. Strange things begin happening all around him. And even stranger things begin happening to him. Regrettable twist of fate has chosen you as a recipient of amazing supermortal powers. He is crazy. He is confused. And he is turning Japanese. Can't believe this. I'm eating smelly dead fish and I'm loving it. But raw fish is chopped liver compared to the wild adventure that is about to take over Griswold's life. He becomes Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Only a beautiful, tender woman, Lotus, can carefully teach Harry the subtle nuances of the Kabuki way. He is... Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Who are you? I'm Kabuki Man. We know where this is going. Oh, yeah, boy. Also, bring still, also still on the list. On. Warlock the Armageddon. Oh, yeah. With one strike. Also excited about this one. All signs are now in place. Warlock. 
is here. The son of Satan has returned to fulfill his destiny. What does that command? There are five stones like the one she wears. You must possess them all. He has six days to seek out the stones of power. Who the hell are you? I'm interested in this stone. It's not for sale. I never said anything about buying. And hold destruction. Picasso. Definitely Picasso. In the palm of his hand. Tomorrow, everything is going to be destroyed. I've come for the stone. There's only one way to stop a warlock. You mean like I have to fight? I can't even fight the school bully. A chosen few stand between him and his quest. Who am I? A second warrior. Get this stone as far away as possible. They must destroy him. That's the best you can do! Before he destroys creation. Rides over. But to conquer the warlock. Betrayals, partners. They must face the ultimate fear. You look so tough now, do you, Blondie? Julian Sands. It is time. I think I want to watch this first one first. No, you don't. No. <laughs> oh. They already ruined that chance for you. <laughs> we went to Canada and I've developed a taste for it. We did? Well, <laughs> we went on a journey <laughs> to Canada. So I'm adding another Canadian movie. A? I'm adding a Canadian movie that has a connection to this m- movie because they were made in the same film scene. Okay. Now, later, this movie is from the, from the late 90s. I'm adding a. I just want to give you a preamble because it's probably a little different than we've done. All right. It's like it's it's pretty different. It's you're not, coming out of the fence. You're going to make it hard, Ken. Uh, this movie was definitely on the list, but having watched The Fly made me want to put this movie on the list. Okay. Right. Not necessarily because they're thematically similar, by the way. All right. So I'm adding a pretty wonderful, strange indie movie that is mostly lost to time. I I, I don't even know how the fuck you would watch it if you, if I didn't already have a copy of it. Okay. I'm adding a movie called Last Night. Coming up on the last night on the planet, and you're listening to CKRT. Good evening. I'm calling from the gas company. Rest assured that we will do our utmost to keep the gas flowing right until the end. going to a party? You have to take life in your own hands. I'm surprised you could come. I thought you... What? You're being obnoxious. Yeah, well, exactly. Look what Santa brought you last night. It's not really Christmas today, is it, Mom? Would it hurt you to play alone just once? Get out of the way! My car got attacked. But what I do find pathetic is people saying as soon as they hear that the world is ending, they rush out and try and hook up with someone like it was closing time at Studio 54. I want us to be together. It's not like I wanted sex with you, but I do feel like I, I, I like you. Tell me something to make me love you. 
Don McKellar, Sandra O, oh, Callum Keith Rennie, Sarah Bolly, David Cronenberg, Genevieve Bougeot. Bon voyage. Party like there's no tomorrow. This is crazy. Last night. I just don't want to risk having bad sex today. It's very moody. It's not the end of the world. There's still six hours left. Last night. It looks fucking dope. And then there's a little smiley face with a gun pointed to it saying, have a nice day. If Sergeant Kabuki Man wasn't on this list, I'll be choosing that game. Okay. Just so you know. Because okay. that <laughs> shit is... When it's like post-apocalypse, fucking... That's, that's it's not post-apocalypse. He's just assuming it's post-apocalypse. Okay, well, that would pique my interest more than anything else. <laughs> Let me discuss with my colleague over here. <laughs> so, just so he can't hear us, do you, would you? What do you, you want to watch up? more? <laughs> what do you want to watch more, Adam? Because like we're doing this together, <laughs> we're in this together. You're choosing the whole thing, man. <laughs> Look, last night does sound like a banger, though. Last night sounds like a banger. Sergeant Kabuki, man. Like I really want to see because it looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like fucking uh, ridiculous. I'm trying to remember. Is Sergeant Kabuki, man? Trauma. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like, I don't think we're gonna go wrong with a guy dressed up as like a Kabuki. Theater person. Or you could go too wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could be too wrong. Oh, <laughs> you're right. It could be very wrong. But in a fun way. But this seems like like a kind oh, yeah. of movie I would go out of my way to watch in my everyday life. <laughs> you know what I mean? This, L- let's this, get game it out. Two strikes for such a man. man. We either gotta watch it or get rid of it. Oh yeah. How do you feel about that? Talk to me. We gotta watch it. Oh, okay. All right. Do you? This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing, right. man. What do you What do you think he could pull out of his butt next week to to to, to string me along? But then it's you, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you're a stronger person than I am. <laughs> um, I'm. Uh, you're all hard. I'm all logic. Yeah. You're Gina Davis. I'm you, all Goldblum. You have, you have strength of character. <laughs> I blow where the wind goes. Oh, what do you want to watch more? Give it to me. Give it to me. I, Ken, am I allowed to influence him this much? You, he, he, you're allowed to, to yeah, ask. We can chat. What do you want with him more? Uh, I'm very keen on last night. Yeah, right? I'm like, it's blown <laughs> me. It's just blown me. Grinning. The wind has blown. The, wi- the wind changed direction. The wind changed direction. The wind changed direction. Yeah. Right? And his and face is stuck Tremor like is this a, now. Tremor is a great time, and we had a really good time with Tremor exactly. and Juliet. But the wind changed direction. We went from a movie that you guys thought was kind of middling, yeah. and then we went to what if we all rated it within yeah. <laughs> within you know, half, half a star, star of being, yeah. being yeah. one of our favorite movies of all time, right? Yeah. So the winds change direction. I understand. I understand that. If you want to, the the spectacle of Troma was amazing, but now it, I want to follow be, this. But it, he's feeling spectac- substance over style. Yeah. And the spectacle of Troma might be a step down after the fly. Exactly. Right. It's a downshift of gear. Exactly. You know where I'm at. I know where you're at. Uh, he's selling this hard. Hands I know where you're down. Hands I really down. try not to put my hand on the scales. No, but <laughs> I, you have to verbalize where my brain is at. I really try not to put my hand on the scales, but I really want to talk about last. It's one of those things where I have not thought about last night for, for quite a period of time. Yeah. And then when I saw, 
the most recent Cronenberg movie, which also has a connection to this movie, and then watch The Fly. I've been watching a lot of Cronenberg, and I and I can't I, tell. I watched like three Cronenberg movies in the past two weeks, right? Yeah. So kind of in that space, and then I remembered that this movie existed, not that I'd ever really forgotten. Yeah, and I was like, holy shit, I want to talk about that movie. Last like, night, I want to talk about that. Movie. Last night, it's official. So next week, come back for Don McKellar's Last Night. Mm. Fuck yeah. Well, not next week. Next episode. Next never episode. Episode. <laughs> next next episode. episode. I never adjusted for the from the- <laughs> I know. The Fortnite change. Separate format. Oh, don't like, don't subscribe. Dude. Surf the fucking internet. Don't um, leave reviews. Go away. No, Go dude, outside. do all of those things. I'm really appreciating the reviews. They're my favorite. Go yeah. outside and- uh, Visit the Brundlefly Natural History Museum. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hear it's a Go great. Yourself, you know, here's his deals for kids. Go yeah, get yourself yeah. into some science trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your experiments. Yeah. <laughs> Send pictures. Yeah. Um, uh, kid weird vi- uh, that weird kid video and all the things. Yeah. Uh, and the poetry of the flesh, classic Goldblum line. Cheeseburger. <laughs> Cheeseburger. <laughs> I love scene. it. Scene. Scene. Fuckers. Woo. says Bart mixed up his DNA with the flies. I think that's Bart. I think she's right. The pants are a dead giveaway.